0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. I am your host, Ben Moore, and today I am joined by Michael Huber. Hello. And Bradley Ellis. Yo. Uh, It's October. It's Halloween time. And uh, I know you're both fans of horror. I'm also a fan of horror. My question for you today on this 117th episode of Frame Trap, what is the most afraid you've ever been from a movie, TV show, or game? most fear that has been struck into your soul from any of those things
1: outlast outlast
2: Outlast.
0: number one
1: shit
2: Mm -hmm. uh only because i was playing in the pitch dark uh pitch black darkness uh beth usually like will call or text me before she's coming home Mm -hmm. well that night for whatever reason she didn't scared out of my mind playing this game she opens the front door and just like the beaming light from the front door like <laughs> pierces in and i swear I was, I was so scared i'll never forget it i will never forget that
0: moment i was like jumped up dude grabbed my heart
3: like ah!
0: so how did it feel uh seeing kyle go through that same fear when he played out last? he did that all oh, by himself, right? Locked in a room. So
2: much fun. I remember I banged on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun.
1: Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Brad, what do you got? Mm, I don't know. I think... I, I can't remember like a ton of things, but I do remember the first time I played the first Resident Evil. Mm. I was very young when it came out. or We were young at the time. And I didn't really know a ton about it. I just knew it was kind of like a spooky esque kind of game, I guess. Yeah. And man, like, even that shot when that first zombie turns around over Kenneth's body, like that little cinematic, freaked me out. And the dog gave me a heart attack. I think when it jumped through the window. Yeah, the, first time. the dog definitely
0: got me as well, dude. I- yeah, I've gotten a lot more resilient with horror over time. It can still. Oh, I'm sorry, me. sorry, no, you're sorry.
1: Good. I do remember now. I'm sorry. I, it just totally came to mind. It's when I played RE7 in VR. Oh that, yeah, that's,
0: like, a that's a good the one. That's a good one. out of me. That is really scary. Nice. nice. Um, mine is also Resident Evil. Uh, this the spider thing has definitely calmed down a lot. But when I first encountered Resident Evil Remake, I believe I was in middle school, and I remember like seeing those tarantulas in that game. Like mm-hmm. they they made my skin crawl in a way that like nothing. Has in a long while, uh, yeah. They're just really they're, fucked up, man.
1: Aren't they introduced in that shot where it's like you're coming, you're out coming of the in the door, and, and it's they're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. in front? Of oh, the camera? Yeah. oh yeah. Well,
0: no, it's it's like if I remember correctly, it's right above, it's above. the door. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's messed up, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that messed is messed up. Man. <laughs> uh, when I was very, very, very young, for whatever reason, I was really afraid of the Mars attack aliens as well. Sure.
2: They're so freaky, yeah, yeah. yeah they really
0: freaked me out,
2: dude. That that like triggered something in my brain when you said that, Ben. I feel like yeah, <laughs> you were also. I
0: yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not anymore. Like now, they're just goofy, but yeah, at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! <laughs> uh, we've got plenty of games to talk about. It's it's an interesting time in the video game world where I feel like I'm playing a lot of stuff that I'm really enjoying, but I also feel like. We're getting closer to this door, and once we open it, we'll never turn back. It's the the right. next-gen fall rush of games door, and we're we're knocking on it. We're very, very close. But until that time, uh, this is what we've been up to lately. Uh, Brad, I actually really want to start off with this because I haven't had a chance to play it at all yet, and I'm really curious because uh, I haven't been following it closely. I've been preoccupied with other things, uh, but Star Wars Squadrons. Mm-hmm yeah man uh
1: a throwback or slash heavy heavily inspired by the old pc like it's 64 flight sim games in the star wars universe i didn't mm. get to play a lot of those like especially like the the tie fighter series yeah swing versus tie fighter i didn't get to play any of those because i didn't have a pc at the time
0: i missed those but i really loved rogue squadron a yeah, lot played
1: a lot of rogue squadron did you play those pc ones mike just uh,
2: Dark Forces 2, so no, okay. none of the,
1: yeah, not really X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, now. Okay, so yeah, but like if you've played Rogue Squadron, you'll have an idea, kind of. But yeah, it's a, uh, a relative, a, a cheaper, smaller, more focused game, I would say. All just, all Starfighters, all in space only, eight ships total, smaller scale, but really solid
0: at what it does. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I had no idea it was 40 bucks until recently. Yeah.
0: When you when you say smaller scale, right, Like, because so, the, the impression that I've got from the trailers is they're telling kind of this two-pronged story with right. the Empire and the Rebellion. Yeah. Uh, how do those play out? Like, what are... What are, are, are you bouncing so, between the factions?
1: Yeah, you do. You, you do a few missions on, like, the New Republic, then the Empire, going back and forth like that. You're kind of... I don't really want to, like, say plot details, I guess. It's not really a big spoiler, but anyways, like... They're both the... You play, like, in two separate squadrons. And both the squadrons kind of have things leading them towards each other, I guess. Kind of certain events tying in. Yes, the whole, like, big thing... It's after Return of the Jedi, so, like, Palpatine did all that. So, yeah, like, the Galactic Empire's still around, but things are kind of falling apart. And the New Republic's coming in like that. Like, all that's going on, but the story, like, focuses on, like, a very small part of that large story. Okay. Particularly this one uh New Republic weapon.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big fan of Star Wars. I think, I guess the weird apprehension that I have going into this is, as someone who, who, like, Star Wars has been part of my life, pretty much my entire life, do you feel like this story really breaks any new ground? I, I feel like, uh, you know, when you say it's, it's like the rebellion versus the empire, like, that doesn't, it yeah. doesn't have the same no. gravitas I mean- that it once did.
1: Breaking like at this point, breaking ground, I'd say in Star Wars is like a very <laughs> Yeah hard thing to do, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But I like the, the story, the scope of it overall isn't like something groundbreaking or brand new, something you've never expected before. But I think it did a good job with this cast of characters and actually kind of fleshing them out, surprisingly, for especially game focused around space combat. Okay but like each side has like four or five characters and you actually get to know these characters. You get to talk to them, your squad mates,
0: find out a little more about them. Uh, the missions themselves. I mean, when you say, you know, totally focused on this dogfighting element, uh, is there a lot of variety and objectives and a lot of variety? So in what you're choosing his, some variety. Tricks? There's some variety in there.
1: It definitely needed more. I think mm. like it could use more variety to break things up, but there is, missions and there's like there's side objectives you can do missions a lot of times like destroy these carriers you'll get a bonus like reward at the end of your mission like a a medal i think uh like rogue squadron has scoring thing kind of like that but you know you have like a few side objectives you know defend this thing maybe fly into this thing blow it up there's one level that i found that was really cool later on is like there's ships going through like kind of like a a wreckage area where a bunch like a ship graveyard almost and there's some mines there so when ships are flying through, you have to shoot the mines at the right time to blow them up to make a chain reaction. Mm. But the majority of the game definitely focuses around on it's dogfight time. Mm-hmm. It's
0: time to fight. Uh, I think we I, I had a brief conversation with you before we shot something. I don't remember what the thing was that we were shooting. Uh, it's all a little blur. But you mentioned that you were you'd probably give it a lower score were it not for VR. VR uh so what is it about vr that that is such a crucial component
1: man it's just so the whole game is in first person only first mm. of all that's
0: kind of disappointing
1: i love seeing the ships too yeah like but for vr i think it's fine sure to me, this is a game sense. to me this is a vr game mm. that was they made adjustments for so you can play without vr but it feels like it's built from the ground up for vr and mm. Like, just say you're in your cockpit, you know, you're in your X-Wing. You can kind of look around without VR, but it's a little awkward. Like, you have to push the right stick down twice, then you can kind of freely look around. But when you're in the middle of a dogfight, you know, you're not really going to do anything like that. So, but when you're in VR, obviously, you're in the cockpit, man. You can just fully turn around. I found myself, you know, you're chasing down a TIE fight or something like that. So, it flies up, and you just look up, and you can start following it easier. Mm -hmm. It's... It's definitely playable. Like, I played a lot of the game without VR just to test it out, but I think for sure you should play this game in VR if you have the choice.
0: And you played exclusively on PC, right?
1: No, I played PS4 because I don't have a PC VR here okay. right now. So does, so it, does it support PSVR?
0: Yes. Okay. okay. That's what I played on. I guess it would have to if that's what you played it on. Right. Uh, sorry if you already mentioned this, but about how long is the single-player Probably altogether?
1: like seven eight or nine depending on your skill level okay i beat it around like seven and a half probably or seven
0: okay um you played a lot of uh, multiplayer as well for mm-hmm. the review mm-hmm. um do you have a preference between the single player and the multiplayer do, do you get more satisfaction out of like honing uh, your skills online versus i think
1: i mean it's just kind of a different thing but i do like multiplayer because you're playing against real pl- like real people obviously which is really cool yeah So, I kind of do, like, multiplayer a lot. But, like, I brought this up in the review. There's only two multiplayer modes in the whole game. Mm. There's only two things. There's dogfighting, which is, you know, five ships v. five ships. That's it. Yeah. Then uh, there's, like, this... uh, Dude, I just forgot the name of it. Something fleet, I believe. Sorry. But, anyways, it has, like, giant spaceships in this. And you kind of have objectives. You have to do, like, waves. Kind of might be like, some battlefield thing almost, you know? do these two teams. You got objectives, so you complete the objective then it goes the next phase and the the end of this thing culminates in like a fleet ships so, like a star destroyer that sounds a lot like
0: battlefront yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think that was the most interesting mode out of the two and it's the only ranked mode in the game also so that seems kind of be where their competitive aim is at do you think you'd ever have any interest in returning
0: to this game you know a month from yeah, now two maybe down now? the
1: line like i would just play it every now and then it's only in VR though. Like if I didn't have VR, I probably wouldn't play it too much. Gotcha. But I just think it's so the VR is so well done, and it like captures that feeling of being a pilot so well.
0: I really want to check it out on the index it, in yeah. this tiny apartment. Getting VR set up appropriately can be yeah. kind of difficult, but uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, uh, Hubert, you are a fan of the Star Wars. Uh, you're usually there pretty immediately for a lot of Star Wars stuff. How are you feeling about mm-hmm. Squadrons?
1: uh
2: curious about it for sure um after episode 9 just kind of was like a release of star wars you know Mm -hmm. uh whether you like it or not it just you know it's like a new era now it's kind of just the the end of an era if you will uh episode 9 was so it's like I'm kind of, kind of just coming down from that. I'm not as attached to Star Wars at the moment. I just, I think I need kind of a break from it. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, just the Rebel versus Imperial doesn't hit me as hard. You know, it doesn't right. have as much weight as it did maybe a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have VR, so it's, yeah. it's just kind of been, kind of been on the back burner for me. But I am curious about it, especially because Brad loves it so much. And just I've heard really good things about the story, which is not what I expected to hear. What things have you heard? Um, uh, just the story's solid, mm. that it's a solid Star Wars story. Um, you know, people are very critical of Star Wars right now. Uh, so oh, always, the fact that, you know. <laughs> yeah, always. So the fact that yeah. I just even heard that and, and saw those headlines and and heard Brad and others, you know, not necessarily
1: hyping the hell out of it but saying hey this is no
2: this is a good story this is cool yeah Yeah,
1: it's solid it like it does a good job of telling what it's trying to tell it's very simple i think that's what really helps a lot too it's Mm -hmm. not overly complicated it's pretty straightforward
0: uh brett it's it's so weird because um i think we're just kind of in a time where like saying it's solid Mm -hmm. is almost like a slight against it where there's just so much that I want to play. Yeah. That it, 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 it's harder to make, make time room. for things. And if, if it's right. not like best of the best, I don't know. Um, I think I'm it's, still it's curious really f- about it,
1: but if you play through the story on your VR, you'll yeah. have a really rad time. Sure. And you might do like a couple multiplayer matches. You'd be like, Oh, that was really cool. But I can't see like you like sticking with it for weeks. Sure. Yeah. But you can have like a good few days probably. You'd yeah, like, oh,
0: that was fun. One of the games that we're going to talk about, uh, I had such a satisfying experience with Crash Four, where I basically mm-hmm. just spent the weekend with my wife just playing through the story, and I was like, "I'm good. Like, I'm really happy that we got through it in a couple of days, mm-hmm. and I'm satisfied with my time, and I just felt very fulfilled." And so, and I, you know, I, I said this on something else too, or I was like, "Sometimes it's nice having those those games that don't take you weeks or a hundred right. hours or whatever." Yeah. Uh, That could definitely be a benefit. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about Baldur's Gate 3, a game that I really can't shut up about. Um, So I streamed it today, uh, just before this, and uh, did an impressions video with Bloodworth. I've since gone on and and gotten to the end of Early Access, Mm -hmm. so I, I feel like I've seen most of the stuff Uh, Content wise, that's in there, or at least it feels that way. Uh, But Brad, I want to start with you because uh, you dipped into early access as well. I sure did. I played it yesterday,
1: first time, and I played like three and a half, four hours of that game. Mm -hmm. Man, like it's really good. You're feeling it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm really feeling it. Like, yeah, it's, I saw you bring this up too. Like, yeah, it needs work, obviously, Mm from a technical point. But I think the writing's really good for what it is. I think the combat's super fun. Mm-hmm. I'm super
0: invested in this story. Uh, Brad, something that I definitely felt going into this, you know, obviously playing uh Divinity Original 2 was mm-hmm. was a was a benefit. But more maybe even more than that, knowing how fifth edition DD worked yes. uh gave me a huge advantage when I was like, Yeah, this is what this does. This is what a bonus action is, this is yeah, what definitely how, how uh combat works uh you, so it seems like you felt that as well
1: oh yeah i was like oh yeah proficiency bonuses i remember
0: all yeah, of this yeah yeah um so what class race did you pick uh were you overwhelmed with the options that you had do you mm, wish there were more
1: i didn't know what i wanted to pick it took me a little bit yeah but i wasn't overwhelmed mm-hmm. there wasn't like 30 classes like when i played i remember playing divinity 2 for the first time yeah that was the first time I played a game kind of like that, and it seemed so much more overwhelming if you wanted to make your own character.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Where I was like, "Damn, this seems super complex." But Baldur's Gate didn't seem too complex. It felt it felt like you had choice and things, decisions you made matter. Right. But I didn't feel like, man, I got to look up some fucking guide how to play this game or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely do feel like. Um the racial bonuses are strong enough Uh that it's like, well, okay, clearly they're going to sell Excel with this class or this class. And so,
1: yeah, I picked a um, a drow rogue
0: Brad I also I, I was a wood elf rogue yeah I almost picked uh Ranger but I was like oh, I'll try rogue during the stream uh, I picked Ranger and it was great because you could summon a little animal companion dude and I summoned a crab yeah. and the chat got really attached to my little crab friend
1: do you hear me Ready for this I was watching Kristen play it she's a Ranger also she summoned a bear yes a bear companion yeah and I was be like goddamn that's oh, yeah. Huber joint,
0: yep. but I think they're going to add more classes. They are. To they're the going end? to add more classes. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep, oh, I yep, yep. Uh, Brad Rogue is just so powerful. Like you get. That's why I was like, "Oh, Rogue's going to be really OP." <laughs> yeah, because I remember
1: it from D anD. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's pretty good in D anD. d
0: You could just get so much movement. Uh, yeah. Being able to have dash as a bonus action is very big uh, yeah. dual wielding is great you're also pretty strong at range uh, being able to like easily lock pick stuff is extremely helpful you can yeah. be pretty good at persuasion as well yeah yeah. they they have uh, uh, they cover a lot of bases
1: but the only thing is like there's a character you meet that's a rogue also and I'm like damn yeah. dude this guy's cool but like I don't know if I need two rogues right now yeah
0: so I've, in in kind of my main playthrough I didn't use him because of that yeah. reason because he double up on glasses um, but Brad, I don't know how many how many did you get all the party members?
1: Let's see. I have let's see. I think there's yeah, I think I have everybody. Okay.
0: Um because that was actually one of the joys of of getting all the commanders. Not only I do I think are they they're pretty good characters on their own, mm-hmm. uh, but I had fun with just about every class. One of the characters you get is a warlock. um, And they can also summon a familiar, like an an imp or a raven. Yeah. uh, And that's pretty fun and can be pretty decent in combat. And man, there's just so much you could do. It's a lot like Divinity in the sense that, like, you could just pick up objects and throw it at people. Or uh, there were, like... I was fighting a bunch of spiders and they were on spider webs and you could shoot the spider webs to make them fall down and go prone and then go and beat them up. Um, And there's just a lot of uh, improvisation uh, so much in in how things play out. Brad, how did you feel about um, exploration and the design of the world and and the options that you had uh, when you were exploring?
1: Man, I felt like (laughs) uh, I I guess I'm not like super far in the grand scheme of things, but I feel like, I've had a lot of choices of things I could already do mm-hmm. a lot of areas to already explore so I like at this point in the game, I feel like I've kind of just' I'm scratching the surface right now, yeah, especially in this one act like but I've there's so many things already open to me where I'm like, man, I could do this thing and some of my situations play out way different than I imagine they would have like yeah. you know some decision comes up and I'm like, oh shit, I mean like think about that something like this happening yeah. And, you know, you roll your dice, maybe you get lucky, maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, shit.
0: Yeah, um, The I would say for the most part, when you fail, it's it can be pretty enjoyable. There are a couple of times where, like, a conversation goes wrong and you get into a battle and it's like, whoa, this battle seems like way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe that could be tuned a little bit.
1: I did high uh, charisma and stuff like that. Yeah. For things like this, I was like, this is going to be a problem if I don't nail some of these checks.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's actually hugely important. I would say, like, uh, skills like persuasion, deception, intimidation are all used yep. a lot um, and can really help you out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one of your characters, that warlock that I was talking about, does have a high charisma. And so uh, having him kind of take command having Will take command. man. Yeah, how of the cool is it?
1: You can just be like, oh, I'm going to play this character right now yep. and have them talk and make decisions because yep. they might have stats that might help me out here. It's great.
0: Um, Brett, I'm curious if if you'll go through this arc, uh, but essentially my, my response to Baldur's Gate 3 was like, hey, this is pretty good. Man, it's really buggy, but it's pretty good. It's like, oh, yeah. you kind of like get your party members more quickly than I expected, but it's neat and you get into cool situations. And then I kind of like hit this threshold where I was like, oh, this just keeps going. Like, mm-hmm. I, I ran into situations that I absolutely fell in love with, and I would say some of the end encounters um, in the early access build, uh, they feel so expansive, and you have so many options, uh, and the options are just immensely entertaining to play through. Like, you're like, I can't even believe they're letting me do this. And mm-hmm. uh, I love that feeling. And like a, a good sort of non super spoilery example of what I'm talking about is you go to this village where there are all these goblins and I talked to them down and then I just was exploring. I was just like, I'm just going to check out the houses. The goblins aren't hostile to me. And I saw that there was this hole in the ground. It was covered by spider webs. And I was like, I'm just going to clear these spider webs and then jump down this hole. And it's like, oh... There's all this stuff in here. Wait a minute. There's this breakable wall. What happens if I break through this wall? I did. It led me to an entirely different area with brand new monsters and loot. And then that area goes even further. And I know. It, it's just like this uh, snowballing effect of exploration. And it's, it's so exciting and addicting when your curiosity gets rewarded like that. Like it's not just a dead end or it doesn't just play out how you would expect
1: it. Like, obviously I think this is intent of the design of the game, but it definitely made me feel like, like when we were playing D and D. Yeah, absolutely. Of Like these possibilities that are kind of open and these kind of like almost ridiculous things you can almost do. This, this freedom and choice you have, it's pretty insane.
0: Yeah. Um, I think there are definitely people out there when they when they hear about that freedom and choice it's not that it doesn't sound appealing but I definitely think this can be like an intimidating genre for, for sure yeah people to jump into um, do you think this game is, is intimidating do you think it explains itself clearly enough
1: I think it did a pretty good job at explaining things I do think because I had some knowledge of how 5th edition worked yeah. I understood things maybe a little more I did not investigate like tutorial zone or anything like that so i'm not sure how well they explain things to you but i feel like the fights they put you in at the beginning of the game are pretty damn easy yeah so that give you like time explaining that
0: that's what i was gonna say is i you know maybe not perfect but i think that opening area it's like you have all of these things that can instantly heal you the fights are extremely easy Mm -hmm. um they do kind of come up and, and take everything individually where it's like, okay, here's how you jump. Here's kind of how combat works and all of that. And then beyond that, you can get all the party members pretty quickly. And so you have mm-hmm. a lot to play around with and a lot of, uh, ground to cover mistakes. And I think just getting to like the next level, level two and getting some more HP and stuff like that happens really quickly. And yeah. so, um, there, there are definitely extremely difficult situations that you can get in, but, um,
1: yeah, I think early on, you don't get really put anything where you like, if you just know the basics, the very, very basics, you can get through the early parts of this game pretty, pretty fine.
0: Uh, Huber, I know you uh, have been resistant in the past to early access. Um, does does knowing that you don't get the full game and then it's buggy kind of turn you away from Baldur's Gate three.
2: Yeah, I'm waiting. Okay, just waiting for the full release. There's just so much to play. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to invest time into something that I'll have to redo. Mm-hmm. Um, super hyped for this game. Cannot wait. Yeah. But it's it's like a unicorn kind of. Just kind of keeping it. Mm-hmm. Keeping it down the field. Yeah. Waiting to play. Um, yeah, I can just remember Boulder's Gate 2, like, getting to spots where I just couldn't go further. Because mm-hmm. it was so impossible. Um, that's my ex- my experience with the franchise. Is just like playing a little too growing up, and just like it being just like getting like not building my character properly because mm. I was like too young, so I just right. like didn't know what the hell. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to like revisit this world. I still want to go back and like play one and two more, but I doubt you'll get time. burnt out probably yeah. if you try to do yeah. both before three. And they're probably still hard as hell. Like even as an adult.
0: sure yeah it's been a long time since i've played any two or one but playing three has definitely made me i'm curious as well kind of like oh okay like i played this as a kid what's it like now as an adult uh very curious
1: uh it's been very interesting playing this game ben Mm. after playing divinity because i just noticed like the presentation budget and how much more vast it is (laughs) like the things they could do with like presenting stories Mm mm-hmm because of Divinity, you know, is, you know, you get, like, a text bubble with a portrait, a character portrait, and that's about it. Yeah. But now we're getting, like, cut scenes with, like, that are, like, Witcher status, like, seeing the characters talk to each other now.
0: Yeah. Um. I, I feel like I have this kind of fear that uh, sometimes when RPGs get more budget, they sort of reduce complexity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really haven't found that to be the case. There's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of animations and jankiness. Yeah. I've had plenty of... <laughs> You know, dialogue, conversations, just the animations not play out as they should. But um, when it is working, it it is actually really impressive. It's nice being able to see the characters emote um, and and have the camera go back and forth. It's so much more engaging than just boxes, right? Yeah. Uh, It it adds a lot. And I do think the character models look uh, generally pretty good. Yeah, they do. As well. And yeah, I... Good character creator. Good character creator. Yeah, yeah. Good character
3: creator. Good yeah. character
0: creator. Don't think it's finalized yet, but I think what is there is definitely promising, and that's that's how I would sum up kind of the whole thing. Oh man, I do have to share this though, just because it's funny. Uh, so obviously, you can get involved with romance with your characters, uh, and I was romancing a character, and, you know, they they ha- they're having an intimate scene, and just a giant image. I believe it was like a mind flare, and just yellow text under construction. And so the, oh, they're just man. like having an intimate yeah. moment. It's just like this. That's funny. This isn't here yet. Uh, That's funny. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think this game is a good promise of concept, and I would say they're. I'm very happy with the work they've done so far. Mm-hmm. Definitely needs some work, but I think what's there is promising, like you said.
0: Yeah. Uh, Huber, you had a bad experience with Mafia Two. Uh, the remake hmm. of Mafia of Two. How was your experience with Mafia but, Definitive Edition?
2: Uh, well, the remaster of two. The remaster uh, of two.
0: You know what I mean, dude.
2: Yeah, dude loved Mafia Definitive Edition. Loved it so much. Uh, I'm resting easy now. <laughs> yeah, I was very concerned because it's just kind of been a bad go of of Mafia lately. Uh, Three has a really cool story, but the world and the objectives and the gameplay just dragged on and on and on and it was so repetitive mm-hmm. uh and when it came out too that was a little janky so this has always been one of my favorite franchises i just because of my dad i just love the history of i just love history in general but also the history of like organized crime and the mafia um, whether it's documentaries or feature films or shows like boardwalk empire um i just think it's really interesting Um, and Mafia is, is just one of those games that is still unique to me. You know, Mm. it's a linear game set in an open world. Like the world is so engrossing and atmospheric and it's, there's so much, it's just so unique. Like you don't see 1930s Mafia that much in video games. Um, so I just love the, the time period and the setting and the, focus on story. Mm-hmm. Just love it. Uh,
1: yeah, I think it's great too. I actually played through it too
3: recently. Nice, okay. Yeah,
0: I um, finished it as well, right? You yeah. finished it? I finished yep. it. Yeah. Uh, my introduction with the Mafia series was Mafia 2, uh, which I actually enjoyed a lot. Um, and then I remember I went to a preview event for Mafia 3 and Mafia 3 was like a super frustrating game for me where I liked the story uh, and mm-hmm. the lead character quite a bit but I did not enjoy playing it almost at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that yeah. really turned me away. Um, but I, I had, you know, growing up I had heard a lot of great things um, and a fair amount of reverence for Mafia 1 uh, despite the fact that I never had a chance to play it myself. With something like Mafia Definitive Edition and the position that I'm in I'm a little bit worried that I would be missing something by not having that uh original oh, experience?
2: No. Not at all. Okay. Such a uh it's such a faithful mm-hmm. remake. It's a little more uh like it's Bushed a little out. more thriller based, a little more hard boiled. Oh. Mm. It's got more of an edge than the original. The original is like kind of reflective and a little melancholic and and Tommy is a little more reserved. Uh this one is a little more the students like yeah, a little more, just a little more intense, a little edgier. Mm. Uh, but is that a good scenario, change in your opinion? It's a cool change, I think. Yeah, it works. You know, we're in twenty twenty now. Uh, it works. Yeah, the vibe. I just really like the vibe of it. You know, because because everything else is so faithful. I like that this stands out. It, it, it separates it a little bit. It's not like identical of a remake. Uh, cause it is, it is very faithful. I mean, like all the missions, the mission titles, uh, the story beats, like so much of it is like, I found myself just that nostalgic feeling of like, oh my God, I, yo, I'm here now. Like, oh, this is so cool. And like, you kind of know where it's going. And it's been like quite a while since I played through the first one, but There were so many missions where I was like, oh, my God, I remember this mission. Here we go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, I can't wait to get to that mission. Or, Yeah. So when when you're
0: you're talking about missions and you're talking about it being faithful, Uh, what what exactly are you doing in these missions? Mm -hmm. uh, And does that still hold up?
2: Yeah, there's just such a focus on story. Mm -hmm. There's about 20 missions. And the first bit is really... Small time, slow paced, you know, you're a taxi driver and you get thrown in to the mob. um, Just by chance, you know, something goes down and all of a sudden you kind of get involved with the mafia. And from there, you know, it just like any criminal story. I feel like, you know, you start small time and you get deeper into it, deeper into it, like more intense until eventually like murder is on the mm-hmm. table and like shit escalates <laughs> and uh yeah the story just holds up and just the relationships of the three main characters you got paul uh Polly sam and tommy tommy's your lead uh and just the the criminal organization that they work for salieri mm-hmm. the salieri crime family
0: uh you said taxi driving and you just made me think of the yakuza, yakuza five yeah uh taxi driving side quest chain uh which i just did all of recently and the way that that progresses and how it resolves is so good (laughs) yeah uh
2: yeah the missions the missions are really really cool that's what i love about them you know the the shootouts themselves are fine they're serviceable uh mechanically not the greatest thing you'll ever play, not the worst thing you'll ever play, but it's the scenarios to me that make them special. You know, you're having a shootout at a diner or uh, like a roadside gas station or uh, or a big glamorous hotel. Uh, just the scenarios that you're in really, really make the encounters feel yeah. special. It's like each mission is its own set piece in a way.
0: Um, is it is it cover based shooting?
2: cover based feels like mafia
0: 3 okay i uh,
2: wouldn't be surprised if they had like
0: reused some some sure, stuff yeah. from mafia 3
2: mm-hmm. uh no big deal uh looks beautiful looks even better than mafia 3 mafia 3 looked great and uh this looks great runs really well you know played on ps4 no issues especially coming off of the mafia 3 launch and the mafia uh remasters of 2 and 3 they were just so buggy even, like, immediately finished one and dove into two because I was just itching for this franchise so bad. Uh, just, like, needed to just keep going. Mm. Uh, and, like, still buggy, you know? Ah. Uh, so. What a shame. But, th- like, the first one ran- runs well, so that's that's what matters. Did you play on PC? PS4. PS4, okay. And then Brad played on mm, PC. PC.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, man, he- sorry, I have to ask you something. something. So there's six missions in the game. Where they kind of put you in a situation where you like I had this feeling of like options almost like, hey, you're in this this area, kill this guy, but also do this sub kind of thing. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, man, can I maybe do this without getting seen or stuff like that? Is that in the game? Some events like that? Or is it like, yo, you got to just shoot this guy in the head?
2: Yeah, I remember the original. You just shoot that guy okay. in public like that. Yeah, I mean, there's... i never have a
1: problem with that. I was just curious. Yeah. Because I like, got God, the situation because we've played games like this. You know, we're like, oh, I yep. can do this thing, this kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Very linear game. Yeah. Very linear. Like, always pulling you to a new area. Because the, the, the city is just such a big part of this game is Lost Heaven. It's mm-hmm. just one of my favorites. And, like, obviously there's not a lot to do in it you know the missions are always pulling you from one area of the city to another you know you're not going off doing side quests and finding hidden packages like there are collectibles uh but you're you're getting pulled from one location to the next but you know it's just so awesome like you're driving these old timey cars you're driving really slow if you speed police will pull you over and give you a ticket yeah uh, the radio broadcasts are always changing with the times you know this takes place over the course of many years uh just such a such a pleasure to be in this world uh it just is so immersive like that's such a cliche word in journalism nowadays, it, but it's like
1: it really is so immersive. I think <laughs> if you cop into this game and are expecting. I want to go off and like just explore and find stuff. Like this is not the game for you. This is not no. what this game's about at all. It is very point A, point B kind of mm-hmm. thing. You stay on this track. You do this kind of thing.
2: Yeah, there is a mode called Free Ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original had Free Ride and Free Ride Extreme. Free Ride Extreme had really cool missions where like you'd be chasing an invisible man or, or like some weird stuff would go down. Uh, that is here now. Free Ride. Uh, And you can get like really secret souped up cars. Uh, The missions are a little. They're okay. You go up to a phone booth. Some text will pop up. You know, it doesn't have that production value of, uh, you know, cinematics like the campaign. Mm. Uh, But it is a cool diversion and and you're free to explore the city, find collectibles. Mm -hmm. So, So Freeride allows you to fully explore the city and do what you want. Just know that there's not a lot of, you know
1: side stuff yeah you can't do. like walk into like every building you know mm-hmm. buy clothes and a bunch of yeah. stuff like that you no it's not gta i guess yeah, it's, it's a very not GTA. broad way to say it it's not gta
0: when i reflect back on my mafia 2 playthrough um again that's that's a game i'm fond of but when i think about it the, the things that really stuck with me were just how much I enjoyed the story and how invested I was in the characters—it has almost nothing to do with the gameplay, which is like I, I can't even like recall a lot of specific gameplay moments. Like it was, it just wasn't the strength of that game in mm-hmm. my mind. Uh, is that the same situation with Mafia One, where you talk about how immersive it is and how attached you are to the world? Uh, but are, are you more there for? that immersion in those characters than you are kind of the moment to moment gameplay
2: for sure. Uh, I love shotguns and Tommy guns and this game has plenty (laughs) of those as well as melee, like baseball bats, like smashing someone with a baseball bat in this game is brutal. You like feel it. It's very intense. Uh, and as I said earlier, the scenarios, you know, we're out, we're out in the countryside, some bootleg deal, some bootlegging deal gone wrong. Yeah. Like Crooked Cops. It's just... It's just a Huber vibe. Yeah, it's just got yeah. that classic... It's like so many tropes,
1: but I'm here for it. Like, yeah, Ben, it's, a classic I don't tale. think it's like, man, this this combat feels really good or mm-hmm. something like that. It's just these situations you're kind of put in and everything mm-hmm. going around it that's interesting about it.
2: Yeah. um, I, I played on Classic. There's four difficulties. Easy, normal, hard, and Classic. I appreciated... Classic because uh, you and others die very fast. Mm -hmm. So it just made combat really lethal, which Mm -hmm. I appreciated. Like you would be behind cover and it's not just like, okay, pop out, bang, 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 bang. It's like, no, I'm in cover and I'm so vulnerable. They're shooting Tommy guns at me. So you do feel that stress and that intensity, which I really liked because they and you go down so quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there's like a bolt action rifle. I felt like Richard Harrow sometimes, Brad, just like mm-hmm. popping up, quick headshot, pop down. Like so again, I don't want to praise or shame the combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it was it was you know, again, it's not the best, but it is it is cool, especially if you crank up the difficulty. If you're into that, like yeah, uh, you know, there were a lot of times I died a bunch of times that in missions and had to replay them like i know a lot of people aren't into that but i'm glad that you had those options with easy normal hard and classic
0: yeah that's actually um a sensation that i really cherish in games that that i don't find a lot of games do super well and obviously you're talking about a, a harder difficulty specifically but that's something about Baldur's gate 3 that i like where it's not so much that a lot of these combat encounters are like oh my god i don't even know what to do but rather it's like if I don't pay attention and use the resources that I have, I'm going to get punished, and and I like that. It's because I don't I don't think it's always so much about being hard. It's about being interesting and and making you think, and not just like I, I feel like there are plenty of games where it's just like, all right, I figured it out, and now I'm just going to copy and paste that strategy, you know, until the end mm-hmm. of time, and that's just not it's just not interesting mm-hmm. at all but uh fun
2: game i'm glad it's back i'm so excited now for this like i now i need mafia 4 like i'm gonna go finish mafia 2 are they doing mafia Mafia Mafia, 4 mafia 3 i hope so like there are rumors Mm. i need more mafia this franchise is back it's crazy that in 18 years there's only been like three games and a remake uh so it's not like some assassin's creed thing it's like every time one of these comes out it's a big deal Mm -hmm. really excited uh, got this series back on track I feel like um is it $60 is it full price so it's 60 and you get the whole trilogy again oh, wow. those versions are a little eh, uh but you $60 and you get this entire franchise mm. so generous
0: <laughs> uh the, the 40 if you buy
2: yeah 40 if you buy one standalone okay again uh for mafia 2 specifically i bet the original version is better mm. so if you can somehow find the original it might be some <laughs> auto upgrade i don't know uh again i i do not recommend the mafia 2 definitive edition specifically uh
0: brad hmm. let's talk about genshin impact which oh I yeah i didn't even know you were playing um brad's playing genshin dude what yeah I I should have been
1: playing a lot of games the past two days. Now I don't have a review to do. Yeah,
0: I uh, I streamed this and then I played a little bit more beyond the stream. But then I got Bulwark Gate three and mm-hmm. s- completely switched focus from that. But I will say I want to play Morgan Impact. I like it a lot and was not necessarily expecting to. I don't really know what I expected going into it. I think right. I think I've I've checked out enough gacha games and gotten to a point where they, they all kind of feel cynically very similar. Uh, sure. And I, I've there certainly have been gacha games that I've gotten into, but I feel like they always wear me down, and maybe that will happen with Genshin Impact, um, but there's a lot more going on here uh, than mm-hmm. with your average gacha game. Would you agree with that, Brad?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with gacha games and stuff like that, but there's like a like a, a main story mm-hmm. quest and like cutscenes and voice acting all that like I did not expect that kind of stuff
0: yeah uh, especially at where I am it really feels like a big single player RPG and yeah definitely uh, you know of course expectedly you have. Uh, Side quests to go after, and things to complete, and and that sort of stuff. All of the kind of the hallmarks of the genre. But uh and the Breath of the Wild influence is, is immediate and obvious. Uh the glider that you get is very Breath of the Wild-esque. Mm-hmm. There are towers that you need to go to, and you'll reveal chunks of the map. But uh Beyond that sort of copycat nature, it is kind of fun just going out into the world and you'll see something in the distance, and you're like, oh, what is that? And it's like, oh, well, to get up there, you'll have to climb and then go up. And then, oh, mm-hmm. while you're doing that, you see a chest that's being protected by monsters. You have to kill all the monsters to get it. And so there is a a, a good deal, seemingly at least, of of exploration and discovery. Uh, and it's just so pleasant to look at.
1: Yeah. Uh, that it looks great. Runs great, too. Yeah. Yeah. Or runs good for me. Uh Ben, I think that really helps this game though too is the combat is like very different mm-hmm. I feel like than Breath of the Wild.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It feels very different. It's like much more action-y, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, beyond the fact that it it is more action-y like you're saying. You don't have to worry about weapon durability. Um, but also you're switching between characters. Characters on the fly, yep. you can do
1: it really
0: fast. Yeah, and you're you're supposed to, because different yeah. characters will be different elements. And so you want to combine, you know and I feel like you can pretty much just combine two of any element, and something will happen. It'll do something, yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the point: is that you have setups, and you you know use your basic attacks and your specials uh, to create extra damage for your characters, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty satisfying. It's it's certainly yeah. not the deepest thing in the no, world. No,
1: no, no. It's not. You're not like air juggling. Yeah, don't make cry keeping <laughs> combos going stuff like that. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's it's pretty damn good right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been pleased with how unintrusive microtransactions have felt to me. Yeah, where I haven't like obviously there is stuff you can do, and it's like of course it's free play game. There's a bunch of things that you can spend money on if you want. But I felt like I'm like I haven't gotten to a point where I like my progress has been slowed down because it, I haven't paid money mm-hmm. or anything like that. Everything paying money wise is to get like new characters or like upgrading weapons but even if i haven't done a ton of that i still feel like you can get through this game pretty easily without having to spend money yeah it's not a hard game i and like you get a bunch of tools you can upgrade your weapons with that stuff but i don't know later on how it is
0: i would agree with you um oh hold on a second oh boy oh boy I had a Zoom error. Okay, we should be back. Sorry okay. for that little hiccup, everybody. But we should be okay. Uh, yeah, Brad, I, I was going to say that <clears throat> uh, I, I don't know if like the gotcha wall happens and right. the pressure to spend money increases at all, but I would certainly say with where I'm at in the game right now, yeah, I don't feel any need to spend money whatsoever because, and I think this is a point of praise to the game, I feel like I have enough to do, like, I'm not only in it to roll the dice on yacha stuff, like, I'm more invested in exploring the world, and uncovering things, and doing quests, and getting further in the story, and expanding the map, uh, where... And that's how you want to feel. Like, I don't want to just be like, oh, I can't have any fun if I don't have this, this, or this.
1: It's not like your characters getting stuff like that is not the end, I'll be all of this game. You could still have a good time. Like, yeah, you could want some other characters, but, like, you'll could you be fine on your own. The game gives you characters free and stuff like that. There are a lot of characters, actually. And you can get through this game with just those basic characters. Yep.
0: Um... How are you feeling about the the story and the voice acting so far? Story, dude, like,
1: I don't even really know what the hell's going on mm-hmm. too well. It's like some dragons or some shit, I don't know. The voice acting's okay, I guess. Like, you have this companion character with you, and she's kind of annoying, but...
0: Paimon, yeah. It's just, like, some Emergency anime food. bullshit,
1: I guess. I don't know. I'm just like, ah, yes.
0: Yeah, I think that's <laughs> actually a pretty good way to sum it up. It is, uh, in a lot of ways, anime bullshit. It's, it's not... Nothing that I've seen has been... It's not Ground-ba- like breaking,
1: right? It th- like where I'm just like, like I'm like, ah, oh, yes, anime characters, kind of thing. Not yeah. like super annoying, I guess. Like, a lot of characters aren't really that annoying or anything like that, but like just that one character in particular, I was like, ah, oh, yes, anime,
0: right? Um, <laughs> it is not like fantastic by any means. I was surprised, there's more of an effort placed on the story than I was expecting. Same, um. And I would say some of what I've been doing uh, has been more fun than I was expecting. Like, I thought it was just going to be a lot of, like, simple combat. And and again, I don't know exactly how this game evolves completely, uh, but there was one quest I did where it was just like, you just have to hunt for treasure. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, certainly not the only game that has done this, uh, uh Ghost of Tsushima did something similar where they like give you a photograph and you have to base on the environment, go find the thing. I always really right. enjoy that. I love that yeah. stuff. I love it. A reason to explore a world beyond you have a quest marker here. Go after that quest. marker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- there's something about it. You know, I think this is very intentional. That is just kind of uh soothing about the world where I don't always feel like I need to play it for very long, but periodically i've been like oh man i'd kind of like to dip back in and cook yeah. some food or raise my adventure rake or something mm-hmm. um but do you think it's something you'll stick with brad
1: yeah i want to keep playing it i don't know like i'm going to do huge bin sessions of it yeah. i want to see how far the story goes mm-hmm. and stuff like that i don't know if i'm going to be grinding it out you know to make my character the best they can kind of be but i do enjoy going through this world one because it just looks it looks really great yeah but it's a sense of exploration like it doesn't give me like I don't feel like I'm getting like these Breath of the Wild sensations I did at the right. time of exploration, but it is still really enjoyable going out and seeing this world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. I don't have nor do I think I'm close to uh, unlocking co-op, but it'd be interesting to do yeah, that with I you don't and see how that yet. is. And I'm curious about how the end game goes. But yeah, um, surprisingly pleasant. Surprisingly pleasant. Surprisingly man. Yeah. pleasant is how I would describe uh, Genshin. It's on, PS,
1: it's on PS4, Huber too. PS4, Perfectly PC, splendid. yeah, phone, mobile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: In uh, has played it a little bit on phone. Interesting. Yeah, I I they have wouldn't... not just because I I don't I know think about
1: like playing that game on a phone. And I'm like no. Yeah,
0: I feel <laughs> that way too. I should try it out. I have it downloaded, but like no. games where you're controlling. A 3D character in an action game on a phone. I just I have a hesitation. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Dragalia lost controlled pretty well, but uh, Huber, I am going to give you the best sake this episode. I, I really felt you during the Mafia Definitive Edition and your enthusiasm for what that was uh, bringing about and how it kind of like honored something that was precious to you, I guess I would mm-hmm. say uh the best take this week and if you're not familiar with what this segment is basically i'm going to give huber a topic and he is going to form a combo of good opinions about this topic where he says one thing and I'm, i may challenge him on it i may not uh, and then he says another thing and we just keep going the best take because this is the season the topic is halloween candy um
2: Shit. Okay. Um, king size candy bars are the culmination on Halloween night. That's the end game. King size candy bars are the end game.
0: I mean, it, obviously, it's been a long time since I've gone trick or treating, but I don't know if I remember like anyone giving out king sizes. Oh, so rare.
1: My name. But when it to. hits,
0: <laughs> boom. Okay. Do you get? Wait a minute. If This is the culmination for you. Do you give out king size candy bars on Halloween?
2: I did one year.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yep. Was that expensive? Yeah, okay.
1: breaking the bank. All right. Oh yeah. You got to do it once, man. You got to you pay gotta back, it back. Yeah. You the memories pay for it. that you got from someone else. Okay.
2: It was like the year. It was we were younger, but it was like the year when I was just like old enough to be a little too old to trick or treat. It felt like. We were like teenagers. It was like, all right, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm going to stay home with the parents this time and hand out candy.
0: I feel like that's such a natural inclination. Like, I remember when I got my first job, it was at a grocery store, and I got that first paycheck, and it's like, it, ha- never having gotten a paycheck before, I was like, I have to spend all of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I went to Best Buy, and I bought like every Metallica record that they had. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. King size candy bars. Cam- culmination on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. Um, give me another one. This is Halloween candy, right? Halloween candy. Okay. Candy corn should
2: only be eaten in October.
0: I hate candy corn. Or never. Like. All right. Even if you like candy corn, right? Settle down everywhere. <laughs> yeah.
2: If you like it, just enjoy it. You don't need to preach your candy corn and just like I won't come after you for eating the candy corn. Are there candy yeah. corn preachers? There's like a candy corn
1: yeah, Brandon Jones, Mafia? dude. Yeah. yeah, relax, dude. Yeah. I, like yeah.
2: You,
0: you just go <laughs> enjoy it. Like cool. Okay. The question is though, like even if you enjoy candy corn, there are better candies. Like even if you mm-hmm. like it, you have to think there are better candies, right? Like, is yeah. it? It's just so waxy. feels I don't it's know. It's good in
2: doses. It's good in small doses. I, I like it, like on on Halloween or All Hallows Eve. All of a couple
0: couple pieces, but then I'm good. Uh, kind of off topic, but I'm curious because I feel like it is it is divisive as well. How do you feel about eggnog at Christmas time?
2: Uh, you know, I hated eggnog my entire life. Uh, last year. I was like trying to get into it and I didn't hate it. So that's progress. I really
0: like wow. it a lot. It was just it was something yeah. my dad and I shared, but it's awesome. I want to, I want to like it. I'm going to try it again this year. Brad, any Spike thoughts it. on eggnog?
1: Yeah. Fuck eggnog. All right. <laughs> I don't mess with that shit. I hate, that shit's gross, dude. Oh, I love it. I love it.
0: Uh, all right, Huber, keep going.
2: Taking, uh, See, I, I want to give advice, but I'll make it an opinion. Okay. Um taking homemade goods from a stranger
1: on Halloween is a bad idea. It is a bad idea. Yeah. Terrible yeah.
0: idea. Yeah, dude. Man.
1: I don't think I've ever gotten a homemade good from Halloween.
0: I'm pretty sure I did and my parents were like, "No, you're not eating that." And they're they're not wrong. Like, you know, no yeah. no offense to who's Don't ever out there it. working their ass off making these homemade Don't goods. Don't do it, yeah. But, Unless on. you
1: personally know them. Yeah. Then that's okay, I guess, but I wouldn't mess with it. I'm good.
0: Yeah. Do you, uh, do you got one more in you? Yes.
2: Halloween candy tastes better when you pull it out of a pillowcase.
0: That's true. I, Huber, I agree with that so hard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh question to throw at you regarding halloween candy is it better to space it out or have that halloween night splurge both man you get
2: so much <laughs> that you can
0: splurge yeah, on halloween night, night until also. you're until you're stuffed and then you still have your reserve stash all right all right Mm-hmm. Uh, admirable effort regarding uh, <laughs> Halloween candy. Uh, this is Back Take is brought to you by a few wonderful shout-outs to your patrons. Uh, if you'd like to be shout-out out on all of our podcasts, uh, go to patreon.com slash allies where you can find out more information. Again, we do shout you out on every podcast show that we have. Um, and for this shout-out, I want us to do it in your spookiest voice that you can summon. It seems only appropriate considering we discussed Halloween candy. Um, but... Don't do it until after I've read the three names. Our shoutouts are El Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, and Caleb Togi Crawford. Shoutout!
1: Shoutout! Was it spooky at all? Depends. What's yeah. spooky? Like a little ghost this is a show. At least it's like in the season, oh, no. man. Okay. Oh yeah. I like that. <laughs> <Kinda>. uh, Shoutout. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we all
0: sucked there. You?
1: Shout out, the uh, Blah. Yeah, shout like, out, the <laughs> uh,
0: Blah. Huber, what in the world is uh, Wintermore Tactics Club?
2: Uh, so I heard about this game because it, the, from the creators, the creators described it as cozy. So they got me. So I was like, wow. what, what do you mean? What do you Doesn't mean you're getting cozy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this game is very delightful. You are a student at uh Wintermore school and you are part of the uh tactics club D&D you have a D&D group and the the principal declares that there's going to be a war of the clubs that's kind of the the premise of the game there's a war of the clubs and only the the last club standing will uh, will will be able to maintain their club. All the other clubs will be disbanded. Why is he? So if you lose this snowball fight, you get your club disbanded. Why? Why okay. is he doing this? That is the big mystery. That's I see. part of the story. So okay. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, but in between, there's like just a few chapters. There's five or six chapters. Each chapter is like a few hours. Uh, it's a tactics game, so you can go to your D and D board and. Uh, Battles play out tactically on the board. Uh, when you say board, you know,
0: is it is it grid-based?
2: Yeah, okay. grid-based movement. Uh, you know, you have your warrior class, your mage, your rogue, standard stuff. Like, rogue can move fast, does a lot of damage, but takes a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your tank can take a lot of hits, but just doesn't move very far, and he uh, doesn't deal that much damage. You can build up a super meter. So there are mechanics. Uh, then side quests actually are really cool because in, during the chapters, you're walking around the school. And there's uh, different areas. It's a top-down view, kind of iso- isometric view mm-hmm. uh, when you're walking around the school. Uh, and you can talk to different NPCs. Uh, some of them will have side quests. And then when you do their side quest, you know you'll get an item mm-hmm. for your character. Uh, so, that's kind of how the items work out. So, the side quests are cool because you get a little story beat and you get a cool item for your character. Is this
0: a story in the side quests, are they voice acted?
2: There's no voice acting. Okay. Uh, indie game, pretty low budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, like, dude, after a while it was, like, starting to get frustrating because there's, like, five or six areas of the school you go to. There's, like, the dorms, uh, the quad, the stadium. Every time you transfer between them, there's loading, Mm. and it's, like, 20 seconds of loading each time, it feels like. So, it's just, like, you're constantly going to each one, and it's loading. So, after a while, that kind of dragged on, but, you know, indie game, low budget. I was, like, whatever. I I was just... I was really invested in in the characters, you know? The Mm. main character, Alicia, she's, like wants to have her club survive but she also feels terrible by beating the other club she feels so guilty and like oh now they don't Mm -hmm. get to be like so she's just a really cool character uh and it's really cool kind of the the rhythm of the game uh it's not really a spoiler but every time you beat a club someone from that club will want to join you like this is kind of the rhythm of the game. Uh, so then you beat the club then that's how you get new party members is like one of them will come over to you and it's really cool you know it's a game about bonds it's a game about different people coming together uh that you know didn't necessarily see eye to eye mm-hmm. so it's like she to get them to to feel at home and and welcome she do their like D backstory and oh, you kind of get to fill in the blanks you <laughs> get to choose you know it'll be like you know all right who's the villain like what kind of villain should we do or you know what is her purpose for joining the club and you can like choose a bunch of things so it's just a really neat game really really cozy like they said and i was just attached to the characters.
0: Um. A few questions. Uh, you mentioned like doing the side quest and, and getting a reward, like an item that you can mm-hmm. put on a character. Uh, are there like a bunch of items that you can equip? Is it like, oh, uh, you can put a hat on and, and gloves and boots and all of that? Or is it just like, oh, they just have a couple of like accessory slots?
2: Glad you asked that. There's like three, two or three, depending on the character. Mm. Offensive, defensive, maybe another one. Okay. Um, categories of items. And then they will be like like if uh if you manage to find and equip all of the items in a category, then you get like the oh,
0: super you get, you, ability. Like a set bonus.
2: Yeah, set bonus for sure. Exactly, yes. So that encourages you to kind of like track down these other items. Nice. Uh some of them are pretty tough because like the game's not too challenging, but there are optional like you have your D&D board, right? Mm-hmm. So there are optional... Like, you're doing your own DD campaign separate from the the main plot of the game. So some of those can be really challenging. There's, like, these optional challenge uh, missions on the d d board that are really, really tough that have different parameters. It'll be like, yo, keep this one character alive or make sure this character takes no damage.
0: So if you finish that, you can get, like, a really good item. So. uh, When you are like sort of helping out these other characters, is that how you recruit them into, do you you recruit characters?
2: Yeah, it's when you like disband a club usually. So like, you know, spoiler alert, you have to win to progress. So like Uh you will beat a club. It's a big tournament. It's a school-wide tournament. Yeah. So it's like there's the brackets. So like each time you'll face a different opponent. And then when you take out one of their clubs, you know, Someone will be like, "Hey, can I, can I maybe join?" But it's not you all or, of them.
0: It's not. It's not like you're bringing the whole club. It's. Is it yeah, just yeah, one no, character?
2: No. Usually one character okay. per.
0: Uh, yeah. So, um, are
2: there a lot of side quests? A fair amount, yeah. There were there were a fair amount. It was like, yo, know, find you know. Oh, and then uh, yeah, like there's side opportunities too. It'll be like spy on our opponents. Find out their secrets, and then if you do manage to, like, spy on them, uh, you know, it'll be like, track them down, like, go spy on them, and then maybe, like, do another kind of small, like, interaction with some characters and, like, some dialogue stuff. Uh, You get a little buff when you face them in combat. Hmm. So it'll be like, oh, we know that they like to do this because we we're kind of spying on them and talk to some people and we learned something about them. Now we are now we're resistant to that kind of attack or something. Gotcha. So.
0: Um, I, I feel like uh, a, a lot of tactics games sort of prioritize positioning. Like, is that something you have to worry about? Like, do you have to get the high ground? Totally. Do you have to, totally. do you want to like flank enemies and things like that? So
2: nothing really like high ground, but like, some attacks can be there, There's a fair amount of depth. Mm. Um, nothing crazy, not like Banner Saga or anything. But some attacks you can modify to either attack in a beam
0: or attack in a in a cone. Okay. Or since they're they're like stuff like that. Since they're uh, cribbing so much from D and D, you. A big thing about D D right is like when you cast spells, you can only cast a limited number of them. You know, you have to worry mm-hmm. about slots. Uh is that sort of a similar mechanic here where it's like, oh, you know, this wizard can only do this beam attack three times or something like that?
2: Uh yeah. So the main the main character is a wizard and her strength kind of is chain lightning. Mm-hmm. So it's all like if you can get all the enemies together, it's really good, but her single target is
0: not necessarily that great compared to other characters but you can do all those things as many times as you want it's just there's inherent strengths and weaknesses in the character okay yeah yeah cool
2: so just a really fun time like caught me off guard and you know the whole thing was like 10 hours uh Mm -hmm. just my style you know coming of age story in a in a school is like my always i'm always on board for stories like that uh and then you know wrapped up in a tabletop tactics game so i was just yeah i'm really into that game
0: yeah it sounds really charming and i i'm definitely a sucker for strategy games and you know fantasy tabletop settings as mm-hmm, well so mm-hmm. uh, you've got you've got me intrigued for sure yeah yeah
2: it's cool it's a cool game it's called cnc in the story not dnd cnc <laughs> so is it what is that yeah. let me see if i can guess what that I stands for uh, i totally forget it's, it was i finished it a couple weeks ago now
0: cnc i totally forget That just makes me think of Command and Conquer. And ooh, creatures is good. Creatures uh, and castles, or castles and creatures. Yeah, something like that. that. I totally forget. Now I want to like look. Yeah, I just think of Command and Conquer. (laughs) Um. So I uh, spent last weekend playing through Crash Bandicoot 4, which I really think people should play through because it's super fun. Even if you don't, uh, how hard is it? (laughs) well that ranges a little bit it depends it depends on how if you're going if you're if you're like i'm doing everything you're gonna it's gonna be brutal but even just going through the story and going through all the levels uh like i did was definitely at the end so it's it's the last level before the final boss there's kind of an end gauntlet that is Super... I had a lot of lives when I started it. I did not have a lot of lives when I finished it. Uh, so yeah, it's challenging, for sure. Um, but god damn, did I enjoy it. Um, I didn't know how to feel about this until I played the demo. Once I played the demo, I was like, okay, this is a really cool game. And they are bringing it. Like, not only do I think Toys for Bob have this excellent understanding of what makes a good Crash game, I think just like on a basic design level, this game is good. Um, like... It, it much like Nintendo does at their best, they know when to get out. Uh, like, you go to all these different worlds, so the whole theme is time travel and time, and so you're going to, like, you, you have, like, this Mad Max post-apocalyptic world, you have a dinosaur world, you have a futuristic world, and there are never too many stages. You're in each world just as long as you should be, and there are mechanics within that world that you don't really like just see repeated constantly. And so you're getting a lot of interesting level design. You're getting a lot of uh, cool enemies. And I think beyond that, the the layer that that Crash 4 really brings is beyond playing as either Crash or Coco, uh, you can play as Dingo Dial. You can play as Neo Cortex. Um, and you can play as Tana. And all of them... Like, they're all different from each other and tremendously different from Crash and Coco. Whereas, like, Dingo Dial has this Luigi's Mansion-esque sort of vacuum, and he can suck up, like, (laughs) TNT boxes and shoot them at things. Um, And he's got this really cool, like hover where he'll kind of shoot up at the end and you have to use that in his platforming uh neocortex can't double jump but he has this gun that can turn enemies into different types of platforms so mm-hmm. he can turn them into like a solid platform he can turn them into a bouncing platform or depending on what they are he can turn them into like this invisible platform that you can pass through um, and he's this crazy dash that you have to master and figure out when to utilize um and tana I really like Tana. I think there could be a whole game around her because she has this grapple hook. And uh, it's just fun. Like, you can use it to hit boxes kind of deep in the background or uh, there are plenty of times where it's like, oh, there's a grapple point over there, and so I need to wall jump, uh, which is something else that she could do, and then grapple to a distant ledge. But, uh, yeah, it. if you like platformers, there's no reason not to play this game. Like I really <laughs> think it is is excellent in a lot of ways. I do think the challenge will frustrate some people, but even then, like there's there's different modes that you can play. There's uh, modern and retro. Uh, retro is when you run out of lives, you have to do the level all over again. That's the mode that I picked, but even that is pretty forgiving um, because it kind of has like dynamic difficulty. If you die a lot, uh, they'll oh, put okay. more checkpoints in. And, or and Crash has done this before, of course. But also, when you die, you'll get <clears throat> a mask or two masks that will you, you can absorb some hits. And so, there definitely is some some cushion there for error. And it's yeah, it's tough, but it's not certainly not impossible by any means. Nice. Um, yeah, I really want to play this. You should. You know,
2: man. Uh, love Crash. Never fully. <laughs> finished or invested in the originals but it's like always been such a cool game mm-hmm. like just like brings me back dude i feel like a friend always had crash like crash is the God. the game that your friend had or something mm-hmm. like would always just go and and play a couple of these stages and then obviously when the insane trilogy came out kicked my butt so that's hearing you say about uh the difficulty ben is mm-hmm. is good do you think this is easier than insane trilogy because that game so, it was like Neo I, for me, dude. Like, <laughs> excuse, like, whoa! Are we playing Ninja Gaiden now, or what's what's going on?
0: I, I think this was um, last year or the year before. I think it was within the last year. I played through the Insane Trilogy. I played all three games back to back. Crash One definitely, unquestionably the hardest. Uh, Crash Two has some challenge, but is easier. And then I don't, I don't think Crash Three is that hard. I think this is probably like maybe around crash two levels don't think it's probably as hard or as unforgiving as Brute. crash one is i so like that brutal. fucking bridge level in crash one is the worst i think that's where i started <laughs> on that shit that thing is awful um but i think kind of i i like crash one a lot but i think unlike the challenge in crash one i think these levels are just more interesting to go through um I think if you are absolutely a completionist and you can't let things go, I think you're going to drive <laughs> yourself insane. Uh, but I know some people are, are super into that. But uh, yeah, just in terms of of the types of challenges that you're going through, I, I think um, like thinking back to Crash 1, levels were very one-dimensional in the sense that it's like, okay, here's this one thing that you're doing this level. And that's not necessarily bad, but I think what Crash 4 has going through for it is you're getting these masks as you're going throughout time, and these masks do different things. And so you get one that will phase in certain objects and phase out others. And so you'll be jumping along, and it's like you have to phase things in and out to create platforms for yourself or to create, uh, to, to make like, harmful boxes go away. There's another one where you can slow down time, and there are like these. Uh, like ice platforms falling really quickly and you have to slow down time and get across before that effect wears off. There's another one where you just flip and you're upside down and that's really disorienting. Um, and you'll have to go from right side up to upside down. And so uh, not only within a level, but I would say as the game goes on and you get more tools, like there's just so much variety there. And shout out to the environmental artists. Like there are times where you mm-hmm. will just kind of like come up over a hill and there'll be so much going on. Uh, in the background but yeah that's fun is that's it co-op nice. or no single player i <laughs> i think it's just single player i only played it single player so that's all i can speak to but i'm not actually sure on that yeah um
2: super does good. it feel like a new era for crash is this the triumphant return it really many does have been man. waiting for or or is it like uh because the because i feel like the insane trilogy was kind of that that game was so huge it blew up it brought crash back so like it just feels like this is like it's the sequel yeah but Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily feel as big as
0: that moment was what do you what do you think so this is actually something i wanted to bring up with you guys and that i that i cannot put my finger on i don't understand um because definitely when Insane, insane trilogy came out and i think this is true with ctr as well uh that coming back there was definitely a lot of excitement and buzz, and it definitely felt like it kind of collectively captured people's attention. I think the people that are playing Crash Four are really enjoying it, but it certainly does. It, it seems more muted than I was expecting, especially mm-hmm. considering mm-hmm. the level of quality that it is. Like this game doesn't overly rely on nostalgia. It seems to get what crash is and build upon it successfully. Like I really don't know what else it can be doing. Like it kind of nailed it as far as making a sequel to a series that was dead, not that long ago. Um, Mm. But there just doesn't seem, I think there was kind of at the announcement of the game, but on release, there just doesn't seem to be as much hype as I was expecting. I don't know if that's just an issue of perception or if, You guys feel that way, too. I
2: feel the same way. It's a little... Like, muted is the perfect descriptor of how I'm feeling about it and how I've perceived kind of the launch of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's just comparing it, though, to Insane Trilogy because that felt like such a zeitgeist. It felt so huge.
0: That's because Crash was, like, back, actually, after Mm -hmm. so long. Mm -hmm. I have to wonder if maybe just the last few years of things uh, have had an impact because like thinking about it, right, you had crash come back and you had Spyro come back.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then, you know, you also have things like ukulele and then Ukulele Impossible possible layer. And so I think you, and, and even things like hat and time, which are kind of inspired uh, by that general era of platforming. And so I wonder if there's just been like the, the platformer resurgence happened and maybe it's just not as exciting to people. I don't know. I really don't know what it is. Yeah. I
1: don't know about like, a lot of platformers I don't see just getting that kind of attention mm-hmm. you know I think people are quietly enjoying these games mm-hmm. never have a real good time but like I guess if you're just looking at Twitter or whatever you might not see a ton of a ton about it yeah I, I don't know quietly
0: enjoying it
1: but like that
0: like I think I really think you know and I'm not I'm not here to beg you to play games but uh, I think you both would really enjoy it and I, I encourage oh, yeah. more people to check it out I really think it's worth the time Sick. What is also worth the time, and uh I talked about last time, so I really want to give Huber the floor to share his frame trap thoughts on Hades. Jesus. Hades.
2: <laughs> oh. Uh freaking like goatee contender. It dude. is. Yeah, dude, like it's is just straight very, up one of the very, best games there. Very year. good. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. yeah, this game. Uh I'm so mad. I always have review regrets. I'm so mad that I didn't. Like, say, this is the game where you sit down to play it for five minutes and four hours goes by. Mm-hmm. Just melts away. Yeah. Time melts when you I play I saw that Hades. happen
1: firsthand with you, too.
2: Yeah, I missed the Easy Allies podcast because I was playing Hades. I was supposed to be on the podcast and I was just, like, so far in the Hades hole that, like... An hour after I was supposed to be on, I was like, checked Slack and like came to and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what speaks to its quality more than anything um, is I thought once I got that first clear, I would be mm-hmm. done. No. And I'm having just as much time, mm-hmm. just as much fun playing it now as I was when I was first learning it. And yes. when I when I say first learning it, it's like that's something else that's kind of cool about the game is I feel like every time I play it I glean just a little bit more knowledge uh, whether mm-hmm. that is like oh this combination of boons is really effective or you just try out like I love the feeling in Hades where you're like I don't know what I'm gonna get I'm not sure if this is gonna work and then like it starts working and then you start like bolting on like okay this is working well if I add this mm-hmm. onto this and it's just it's it's this really quick dynamic and fulfilling like mm-hmm. building of a character that is so incredibly addicting.
2: It's so addicting. Every single run, the learning curve is so perfect in this game. Like you were saying, just you start out, you don't really know, you know, what's going on. You're you're, you know, you're not used to the the mechanics yet and the enemies and just like the way your character grows and your skill grows is so freaking rewarding and addicting. Mm-hmm. Like you start unlocking weapons, different currencies, just the 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 progression in this game is some of my favorite progression that I can remember in a long long time.
0: Um, so how many times have you cleared it at this point? I think I'm at five or six. Okay, I am at yeah, four six, at the moment. Yeah, one. Nice. That that one feels the best.
1: Yeah, it really does. I haven't gotten to play a ton of it, but yeah, yeah, I haven't played in a while. It was it's great. A mafia
0: review. Um. What I really like as well as well is the way that the story unfolds uh, mm-hmm. it, it just how every character in their own way seems like they're adding a new dimension to it without feeling like just the way that they present it. Like when you're getting these boons, right? The, the gods have a little bit of a conversation with you or sometimes when you go into certain rooms, you'll meet somebody and they'll talk to you. But it doesn't feel like they go on and on and on and on. It's just like really concise. It's to the point, And it feels like it adds just enough often enough um, yes there's
2: that there's the hub area i just love the hall of hades like coming down in between runs talking to everyone giving nectar to people building the bonds like there's just so, it seems like yeah even after you clear it once there's just so much more beyond that uh and i know one of the big criticism there's there's a few big criticisms of roguelites for roguelikes for people that don't Gravitate towards them is story, mm-hmm. uh, which I think this game absolutely 100% nails contextually. Just every time you do a run and you die or succeed, like that is moving the plot forward. Mm-hmm. So I think the story for a roguelike is the best of all time. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of games down the line that that try to mimic this. Uh, and replaying. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people that don't like roguelikes are like, oh, I don't like dying and just like starting over. Um, I will say it's so addicting because you're getting permanent upgrades. So just like the story, you know, even if you fail, chances are you're still going to progress your character forward uh, and build his stats. And to what Ben was saying, just the randomness of the boons is so exciting without being annoying because you're not you're like out of the. 50 or 70 runs of done like yeah. maybe one or two or th- like so few times my build has been terrible where i've just been like whatever i like, definitely have always- had
1: multiple terrible builds yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like it it, like, oh. it
2: happens a couple times but like for the most part mm-hmm. your build is going to be viable you're going to find a made a way a way to make it work and i think because it's bad a few times, it makes it even more rewarding. Like when it's good or when it's great. Right. So I just think the game is very forgiving, and there's even like a god mode that you can turn on for people that don't like like a challenge. Like if you just want to hang out in the game yeah. and and get through it, you can do that. Um, it's just it's so forgiving and so rewarding every time you play it, whether you're advancing the
0: story or building your your character. Um, it it's just something that i think not all of these games have that hades has is whether i have a bad build or a good build i think if you you take all the randomness away and you just focus on how each weapon feels they they feel phenomenal like yeah Mm -hmm. Throwing the shield around, doing the bull rush, uh, using like the sword special and like getting that AOE effect or just like pulling back the bow. I I think just on a fundamental level, these weapons feel good enough that that is like the core of what is bringing me back where whether I'm doing well or I'm doing poorly, I'm just having so much fun playing that that kind of overrides a lot of other things. Um, and the dopamine man like you're upgrading those weapons you're unlocking the different
2: aspects you're upgrading your freaking hall like room you're adding things to your room you're getting mm-hmm. gems and like building the the hall of Hades out and like changing the decorations Uh, the the weapon aspects Ben they change yeah, the how you use cool. each weapon so much like my go to now my or my number one I, I like need to stop using it because I need to like Clear with other weapons to mm-hmm. get more rewards is the spear you throw it and then you dash towards it. And then when you dash towards it, then your next three attacks are like plus 150 damage. Yeah, so I'm just like throw, dash, cha cha cha, throw, dash. Cha. Right. And it's just like depending on the weapon, depending on the aspect, like there's so, it feels they all feel so different. It's so great.
0: Uh yeah, I have I have weapon aspects. I haven't been able to mess around with them too much. And every time I talk about Hades, like I immediately want to do, yeah, like I several know. runs sorry, back to back. Life. But yeah. um, a, a moment that I was like, okay, this game is really something special. Is as I was learning, I think you, and I think this is very natural. Right where you are, like, okay, I'm going to find the weapon that feels most comfortable for me. And that ended up being the shield. And I was like, I, I know I'm going to get my first clear with my shield. It's just clicking with me. And then once I had that clear, like, I kind of felt this affinity to the shield. And I'm like, I'm worried that I'm going to try another weapon and it's not going to work out as well for me. I went with the spear and I was like, I love this oh, just spear. as much.
3: Mm-hmm. I really My do. Favorite.
0: And then I, I went to the bow and arrow and I was like, I love this just as much. And I've the enjoyed and arrow, playing every single weapon. Um, mm-hmm. And that... The that gun is, so is crazy. The gun is really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they they all feel substantially different. Um, you mentioned the permanent upgrades, and I love how dramatic some of them can feel. I mean, like getting extra death defiance is game changer. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's huge. Extra
2: death, extra dash, uh, extra rewards. Like mm-hmm. when you play, I love that every dude. That's so genius too. Is before every run, a random weapon will have dark thirst. That will, if you bring it into that run, it'll give you twenty yep. percent uh, darkness, and then if you upgrade it too, you can get twenty percent extra gems. So it's like, dude, twenty percent extra of both of those. Like, yeah. obviously, I want to use this weapon now. And to I, like, Huber, I love it's just that. Design. So genius. I, that is
0: a big reason why I decided to experiment with other weapons, and I mm-hmm. think I, I really think games should do that. They should. Yeah incentivize players to get out of their comfort zone because if you can do it it's so rewarding but you want there to be a tangible benefit for doing so yeah absolutely and um i i just i love the layers man like uh once you figure out like what the nectar does and it's like oh i can use this nectar to you know tweak my builds a little bit so i can once i have a better knowledge of like okay this is what athena does this is what uh, you know, Artemis does like you can use that to your advantage and go after specific things, and that's yeah. fun too.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, all the yeah. items too, mm-hmm. all the 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 um shit. I forget what they're called now. The artifacts like that you can bring in one at a time. The keepsakes. The yeah, keepsakes, keepsakes, and then each time you clear a, a an entire region, you yeah. can swap out your keepsakes. But you have to so so it's like...
0: to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. To, yes, to, to swap out. So I
2: love just like, yo, I'm going to start with Charon's Purse. I'm going to start this run with an extra 155 gold. Then when I get to the next area, I'm going to switch it up to do the lucky tooth. So I have an extra death. Mm -hmm. But then if I haven't died yet, maybe I'll hold off on that and use something else like there's always something to think about always something Mm -hmm. to do it's just so freaking addicting and fun oh my god Hades I cannot praise it enough
0: you know when we were talking about (laughs) it earlier I might have been last week Huber I said you know if I had to think of criticisms I was like maybe there could be one more area sure um but I don't think I stand by the criticism anymore something (laughs) that I like is it's like oh like I could do a run now in like 30 minutes and I Mm -hmm. I I like the the quickness of it. And I I don't know if another area would really benefit all that much because I think something smart that Hades does, despite only being four areas, is that they modify the bosses of those areas. So it's like, yes, you're technically kind of fighting the same thing, but it'll be slightly different here and slightly different there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think changing it up like that adds a lot to the replayability for sure. Totally.
2: I mean, in a perfect world, maybe on like your fifth or sixth clear maybe it'll like throw in an extra mm-hmm. world or like rotate one out or like maybe fully rotate a boss but such a nitpick for such an excellent game i could see it going either way like you were saying because it's so nice like knowing kind of what to
0: expect to plan ahead
1: yeah yeah uh i'm like I'm so sick of the Hydra boss in it, dude. Like, does it change yeah. anything? It does.
0: Yeah, you get different okay. variations of it. I will different say attacks, that I, yeah. I think like the Hydra boss is even easier than the first boss once you yeah. figure Hydra out boss how to. Is so super easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah would have
1: been cool if like that swapped. Like I was hoping that would change. Yeah, like going through it once. It but it, it does like change. It does. But, but is it still, like, the Hydra? Yes. Like, he might yeah. have a few attacks, but I was hoping yeah. to be more, like, rapidly different some of the areas. Yeah. Like, a
2: different enemy would have been cool,
1: but... but
0: sure. Just love it so much. I don't, yeah, it's I don't very know. good. Uh, very, very good. I don't know how Hades doesn't come up for best soundtrack this year. Like, the music oh is God. goddamn unbelievable. 2020 mm-hmm. music, dude. Yeah.
2: It's... Everyone loses because there's been so much good music this year. It's gonna be insane, dude. Streets of Rage 4, like, 100 other games.
0: Huber, I don't What with you, have but like I think sweats. Hades is, Hades is, like, up Top yeah. tier, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Crazy. Crazy. Hey, but that's how it goes. Like this Crazy Hotake! Draft. Oh, shit. Um, so, I, I've been pretty consumed by Baldur's Gate 3 this week, uh, <laughs> and so that of course, uh, made me reflect on early access, and that's what is going to be the the Hotake this week. Uh, and I kind of want to revisit how we feel about early access right now, um, because I was thinking to myself, like, this game that is super unfinished and super buggy in a lot of ways is one of my favorite games of the year, and it's $60. You have to pay $60 right now to get mm-hmm. a chunk of Baldur's Gate 3. And that definitely gave me some conflicting feelings. Um, And I have a series of questions that I want to kind of go through with early access. But to start us uh, at a base here, I guess I want to know, in general, what are your feelings on early access?
2: I like to wait. Mm -hmm. It's well documented, you know, like I love to wait for a full game. I just have a unlimited games to play, why would I Mm -hmm. play something unfinished? You know, to me, early access is a demo. Like uh Rogue Legacy 2 Ben, we hopped into that early access earlier this year. Right. And I kind of just treated it like a demo. Like I thought I remember talking to you, you know, I thought, oh maybe each time they do a biome I'll hop back in. But now as as time I've gotten away from it and time has moved on, it's like, okay, I enjoyed my time with it. I'm just gonna wait for the full release. I I treated it just as a demo. So Um, so I just, I like to wait just because I have so many options, so many things to play. I just want the most optimized experience version,
0: you know, the finished Mm. package. Huber, I totally understand that. Uh, and I agree in a lot of instances, but Baldur's Gate 3 has really challenged my perception of it. And a lot of it has to do with the type of game it is. So obviously like I've, I've been super anticipating Baldur's Gate 3 for a long time. Uh, so I was going to play it no matter what, but actually because of the way that it was structured. So we got like pre early access code and then our saves got wiped. And so I had to do like hours of stuff again. And I was really dreading it. I was like super bummed, but it ended up being a huge benefit because I was able to take the knowledge that I had kind of into that second run. And I learned so much and I was, I, I, there were things that I missed. And I think with a game that is as complex and offers as many choices, as bolgate 3 does i feel like when i go into the full release it's mm-hmm. like i'll have all of this knowledge that will probably make playing through even more enjoyable mm-hmm. uh you know i'll be i'll be lowering kind of that 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 hill that you climb in terms of like just how things work i think it helps with games that have a lot of replayability yeah like
1: when I think of, like, Hades, when it was in Early Access, right, it's probably still great, and seeing the changes over time, you still have fun going back to it, because like, just great replaying it. And I think Baldur's Gate, like you said, Ben, is kind of the same way. Like, I could easily see myself playing again and just doing something drastically different.
0: Yeah. So you think, Brad, uh, to kind of get your general take on Early Access, you think it really depends on the game?
1: Yeah, to me, it's totally a case-by-case basis. Like, some things I feel like now especially in our job i sometimes i feel like it's too big for me to ignore mm-hmm. when i think of like boulder's gate i'm like shit i have to play this mm-hmm. not only am i excited to play it, but i want to be able to talk about because it it's such a huge game yeah but you know like some games i'm just kind of like yeah I, I can wait i
0: don't really need to play this right now um do you do you think uh early access is becoming more prevalent, pre, pre, blah, 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 prevalent. And yeah, would you be okay with it being more prevalent in the future?
1: It seems like it's more prevalent now, I guess. Like, I think it's just as long as everything's transparent and you know, what you're getting into, it's fine. Right. Like, as long as you know that it's okay. Like, I don't know if I would want to play, like, let's say an the next Zelda game. I don't know if I'd really want to play an early access version of that. Oh, Brad, but you're... maybe I would. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it is like it's super hard for me to take a hard stance on it
0: because, like we said earlier, it is literally just case by case, and if I'm feeling it or not. Brad, you actually hit on uh, one of my questions, which is: Would it be would we be okay with like sort of a, a lot more major gaming franchises going into early access? Like just just yeah. you know, hypothetically considering a Zelda early access or a Final Fantasy early access or. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Whatever, man. you know, there's many names that you could could throw at um and this is not going to be the case for everybody but as somebody who's very invested in Baldur's Gate 3 I'm really curious to see you know from what I've heard they handled Divinity Early Access super well and I'm curious to see like okay how directly do they respond to feedback like I I feel like despite being in this industry we don't really get a great look at how games are made and so i'm kind of interested in seeing how mm-hmm. this thing evolves and i i think that's kind of cool it's like how drastically do they change this how much do they Dude. add
1: uh i've been watching you know wow shatland's been a beta for a while yeah or it's it was alpha than beta i've been keeping tabs on it just seeing like how thing in like it's changed quite a bit man mm-hmm. just like even gameplay systems how they work now are just so much more different from player feedback yeah so I kind of agree with you on that sense of seeing its progression is It's just interesting, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Huber, uh, let's say Resident Evil 9, just, you know, play ball with me here. Coming out early access, full thing won't be out for a, a year after the early access version comes out. Would you do it? Would you go- jump in? I mean, I think, I think, you know, people would definitely expect you to, right?
2: Yeah, I'd probably have to stream it. I mean, but if I, like didn't have to stream it or cover it, mm-hmm. you wouldn't. Like, I'd wanna wait. Okay. You know, because I feel like if Resident Evil was early access, it would be like, hey, play up until this point in the story, this mm-hmm. point in the game. Um yeah. and I just like that's always in the back of my mind with early access is like I feel like time is so precious. I have one trillion movies and shows and games I want to play. Yeah. And the amount of hours put into Early access could be served so much better elsewhere with, like, a finished
1: game. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I kind of think of, like, almost like a demo, Ben. Yeah. Like you could play this demo of this game a year before it comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, I would play it in a lot of instances. Yeah. Like, I think of episode, uh, Dusk or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yes, a lot I played that. that game. Mm-hmm. I made an effort to play that kind of thing. And it's like, that, that changed dramatically from that.
2: I'm big on, uh... I had this conversation with Kyle, I remember. I'm big on first steps. It's why I never played Episode Duske. Hmm. Because you're, my first steps in a video game are really special. Like, every time you boot up a game for the very first time, that yeah. first time you that move, fuel, first time... Yeah. That Definitely. first night you play that game, just no matter what is different. Your first session with a game is always different. Uh, than than the other sessions so I, I like to keep that close and, and
0: special and sacred so I, I want to challenge this a little bit because I do think in in some ways it it just comes down to perception so I want to use another recent game that came out that felt like I, w- I like I wish they I wish they would have called it early access that would have felt more transparent and that is Avengers thing <laughs> is a mess right so you, 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 you know I, I, I think it's weird a little bit to give all of this, sort of credibility to you know just calling something not early access when it that doesn't guarantee that it won't be a buggy unfinished mess
2: right i will say at least the campaign story was like done mm-hmm. you know so i guess that's the distinction like you can start avengers and finish avengers in a way you know you can see the entire story sure. till the credits yeah and uh avengers but isn't in terms the of example. bug yeah yeah in terms of bugs like you're absolutely right like it probably should have been early access, mm-hmm. uh, especially considering the end game is so bare bones. Um, but yeah, that's an, that's an interesting point.
0: Um, another thing that I want to bring up is, is price. Uh, so, for as much as I'm willing to go for bat to bat for Baldur's Gate 3, and I really do love it, it's weirding me out that it is $60. Right now, this is sixty dollars that you pay. Okay, and you don't have to pay more later. You know, it's not like they they keep adding on to that. But it's like pre-purchase; you buy the game Mm -hmm. now. I guess just logically, it makes sense to me where it's like, okay, you're going to release a chunk of this game in an unfinished state. That's cool, but I almost feel like you should give a discount for people that are jumping in now. Right, where if Mm -hmm. it's like. Even
2: five or ten bucks. Yeah,
0: even five or ten bucks, or, or twenty dollars, I think would be mm-hmm. would be very appropriate. Like, why not do that? Like, why not reward those people who are going in? Mm-hmm. And I just I can't really justify it to myself. Yeah. And I think I would I be expect- more okay with with early access across the board if if there were concessions like that that were
2: made. Well, that usually happens with early access games. as it is cheaper mm-hmm. when it is an early access, and the price does raise. I've seen that numerous times. Uh, so it is interesting that 60 out of the
1: gate. Yeah, and if it was like $30. Yeah. I think that'd be appropriate for how big this early access is of this game. I don't know. I wonder if they're just like, well, we want to get... This is a very cynical take, but all the money we can get out of this kind of thing.
0: I'm sure. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think... It's a hard ask. It's a hard for ask for a lot of people. Yeah, it definitely I is I think hard
1: for ask. the hardcores, like a lot of people who have been playing it, it's like these are people that are already invested in this game, so they're willing to spend the money because they know, especially with their track record with Divinity, I assume is pretty good. They've built up a lot of good faith, so right. maybe people are willing to spend a little more for it mm-hmm. because of that.
0: Something that I was thinking about, uh, you know, they 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 uh was this story from uh, Jason Schreier, about CDPR and Crunch and all of that. And and Crunch has been a terrible ongoing problem uh, and has come up repeatedly uh, recently. And I was wondering, I was thinking about Early Access, and I was like, games are just so incredibly hard to make and so demanding on human resources that it's like, if if maybe we found a early access model that everybody could agree with where it's like, okay, we'll lower the price and, like, that will kind of maybe extend how long we work on it. And it's just, like, if there's, if there's any way that we could just make this better for everybody, like, theoretically, and this is this is certainly idealistic, right? I'm not saying that this is a magic bullet or anything. I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, I think maybe that would be a worthy trade-off. Do you guys agree with that? You know, if, if we could... Maybe reduce crunch and reduce kind of the strain Mm -hmm. of of getting these monumental projects out. I don't know if
1: early access will necessarily get rid of that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a fair point. I just feel like almost like I don't really know. I'm not a game dev. I just feel like sometimes it almost seems like a crunch phase is almost inevitable Mm -hmm. with a lot of games. Because it just seems like there's always something to do. Like rarely do I hear about a game being done, 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 done. That's it. Done, 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 done. I, I think like, that I is would true, love it.
0: But I think we should always probably be like working toward making it better. Of course. I totally. don't
1: think th- I don't have a problem with trying to figure stuff out like that. Yeah. But at this phase in my knowledge of games, it just seems like almost an inevitable thing. At I imagine like, severity crunch up. matters, though.
2: Yeah. I imagine syncing your development and your marketing mm-hmm. to like this one exact point is like hitting a bullseye. So that's why it always feels like these huge games are crunching yeah yeah uh just you know it's never gonna happen it's never gonna happen but i say just delay your damn games yeah eat your marketing money even if it's millions like i don't know shit
0: man hubert or just pay your employees like i don't know delay your damn games is a really interesting point that you bring up and not something that i was really thinking about because like delays matter less to me than ever even if it's something that i'm really looking forward to and i i'm i'm super invested in because there's so much to play right and Mm -hmm. obviously we have the luxury of being in this industry and, and getting access to a lot of things but i think there are other things that have made it more accommodating In in general as well, you know, I think the rise of Game Pass um, and just the rise of games being available digitally and uh, the rise of free-to-play games, there's so many things going on. There's so much to sink time into that I think delays hurt less than they used to. Is that a fair point? I I don't care at all. Us
1: less, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe like Windows and release dates do matter for some games, Mm -hmm. maybe on selling obviously not every game. Like I think call of duty could probably just come out whenever it wants to just be just fine. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder about like strategic release dates for some companies, especially smaller companies, stuff like that who don't have the benefit of like advertising. They don't want to get buried in a certain time of the year by other games.
0: I, uh, I have to wonder if early access contributes to FOMO or the fear of missing out in a negative way where like, I even saw. I feel like I saw this a little bit with Baldur's Gate, uh, where like I feel like people were like, "Oh, I wanted to wait, but like everybody's talking about it right now, and all these people are streaming right. it, and like I kind of feel like I want to get in on it." And I understand that, but I feel like so much of gaming is kind of dominated by the what we refer to as the zeitgeist, and I don't always think that's good. Right? I understand that impulse. I feel that impulse. It's a very human impulse to feel, but I don't always think it's necessarily the healthiest. And I wonder if, sure, you know. That culture and releasing things before they're ready only contributes to that sensation further. Hubert, do you think? I think, think FOMO. I never yeah. thought of it
1: that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, people don't. People want to like know what's going on, be a part of something. Yeah,
2: people want to get in that like Genshin impact, dude. But
1: yeah, just <laughs> yeah. from like my personal standpoint, is like I try to want to stay on top of some games, even if I don't have the best knowledge about it, because mm-hmm. you know it is our job. Mm-hmm. To cover games. Like not everyone needs to do that, but some things I definitely want to check out just to have information about. Mm. Like I could wait for Baldur's Gate. I could wait. Yeah. I'd be okay. in being able to wait, but I'm, I don't regret playing it or anything.
0: No, I mean it in our position, right. It's like, yeah, I was going to play it no matter what, but it's nice to get your perspective. It's nice to have, Mm -hmm. you know, another ally. Yeah. Yeah. Comment on what's going on for sure. Um, (laughs) it it has been there's been a lot of controversies with games uh things releasing in unfinished state things still releasing buggy you know we've definitely seen a rise of early access do you have any fears uh going into the next generation that we're going to see repeats of stuff like are are people going to continue to pay for broken things in an unfair way yes i
1: feel like that's just a cycle Depending on, like, I don't know if the scale will always be the same, but there will definitely be games that come out that aren't finished or ready to come out. Mm. Yep. Like we're still seeing it. Like you just said, Avengers. It's like it's 2020. Like shit, like that still happens. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so weird with Avengers, and like, I am amazed at how into that game I was, and how same. out of it I am now. Mm-hmm. Like I, sure. I just truly don't give a shit. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Just from someone who didn't play a lot of it. It seemed like you guys went pretty hard on it. Yeah. And maybe you just got burnt out.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I I felt like my investment was not being rewarded. Like it's almost the right. opposite of Hades, right? Oh, Where I but felt that, like th-
1: that's the that's the thing I had with Avengers. I didn't feel like I was ever gonna get this reward from investing in it besides like some numbers going up do you know what i mean yeah but even totally.
0: that like i enjoy numbers going up and i just feel like there are other games that make the numbers go up better yeah than because
1: yeah the numbers going up better and it's more enjoyable doing that yeah. than some other games
0: yeah like like it's really I, I i honestly think you could put hades and avengers side by side of like exactly how to make progression and that loop addicting and consuming Mm -hmm. and avengers not right or yeah yeah
2: needs a lot of tweaks
0: are we ready for some emails yes our first email comes in from john he says a youtube perspective on next gen oops hold on a second guys Next Gen! Next Gen! Next Gen Showdown! Hey allies, uh, as time has passed and we've gotten closer to the next generation of consoles, it has seemed to me like Microsoft has been making a lot of good decisions, things that should please potential customers. Game Pass, backwards compatibility, smart delivery. Meanwhile, Sony seems to have had a few missteps to me. Uh, The changing of Peter Parker's face in Spider-Man Remastered being the latest in line. Mumblings of arrogant Sony are back seem to be bubbling away. Yesterday, as I write this question, Sony put up the PlayStation 5 teardown video on YouTube. It has 4.7 million views in about 24 hours. So I went looking for the Xbox Series X equivalent. It seems the closest thing is a digital foundry video that does basically the same thing. It was posted six months ago and has 340,000 views. There is another video that Xbox put up that talks about what's in the hardware, but it only has 85,000 views. This is obviously not a like for like comparison, but the massive difference intrigued me. So I went digging. Both consoles have had two major events showing games. Microsoft started with the first look Xbox Series X gameplay video, the one with Scorn, and has 1.6 million views on the Xbox channel. Sony had the Future of Gaming event, the one that started with GTA V, and had Verizon. Forbidden West, it has 15 million views on the PlayStation channel. Microsoft had the Xbox Game Showcase with Halo Infinite Gameplay in July. It has 1 million views, although IGN has a video of it that has another 1 million, and the Halo gameplay video from that has 1.2 million, so it's hard to get a definitive figure. At most, 3 million, I guess. But note, I didn't add IGN or anyone else to any other event video. I was feeling generous. Sony then had the PlayStation 5 Showcase three weeks ago. It has 4.7 million views on the PlayStation channel is this a problem for microsoft going into next gen do views show hype levels for these consoles is there a good reason xbox views are consistently lower do xbox fans typically prefer other platforms to watch stuff and if it is a problem what more can they do to turn it around thanks so much and everyone should play trails of cold steel john p <laughs>
1: um so i'm gonna say that i think it's just the games and the interest in these games mm-hmm that they have shown, like the first Xbox thing, I can't even like remember really what they showed off. Right, like in their very first thing. I remember it not being great, and a lot of people not being super happy about it. But like he said earlier, I remember the first Sony one. And it's like here's Demon Souls, here's a game people love, here's Horizon, a huge sequel. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Microsoft has the games yet that people really want right off the bat like the huge triple a like your god of war kind of games like obviously halo is a big deal but that's kind of it right now mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a launch game which i do think hurts them they've made a lot of huge moves recently and i think we'll see we'll start to see that play out in the years down the line yeah but at this moment in time i think just sony has more an enticing offer for a lot of people from a game software wise
0: my lighting gets so fucked up as we shoot frame trap. It drives me nuts. The sun goes down, baby. Sun goes down. I just can't get it, low. like, <laughs> where I want it. Um, you mentioned Halo, Brad, and I think that the interesting thing to bring up regarding Halo, right, is, like, Halo is absolutely huge, and a lot of people care about it, but, like, mm-hmm. regardless of your own personal opinion, like, they didn't knock it out of the park. That, no, Halo didn't. It came, like, bumbling out of the gates, and there was a yeah. lot of... of mixed reception uh and apprehension that followed halo infinite and so i think that's a big part of it and they really haven't had anything um they haven't played up anything that really rivals i think what sony has they don't no, they, have, they don't have a horizon 2 like that yet. yeah they don't have a miles morales they don't have a demon souls they've like, done a great great <laughs> job of uh marketing the system
2: the console itself yeah. and the features and the the functionality i think it's a great yeah, point but they haven't done well to show the big games. You know, they Mm -hmm. showed their biggest Halo and they botched it. Mm -hmm. So I think for the most part, games are the most important thing to a lot of people. And if you, you know, you can crush all these other things, but if you bring your main showpiece game and you botch it, like that's going to do a lot more damage than goodwill with all the other functionality and, and systems they've shown
1: like honestly the most interesting game I'm or one of the most i'm hyped for is fable from them but that's years away they showed so like
0: two two years away yeah they almost showed nothing right like uh, exactly uh, than the fact like that you might uses. as well
1: have not shown anything like just yeah. a logo like that's how far away from a lot of stuff i like obviously they have a lot of cooking now yeah. they have a ton of studios
0: Bethesda. but yeah
1: at this moment in time there's not a whole lot to show
0: i think and you guys weren't on this but on the last episode of frame trap uh in Damiani and myself, we kind of compared <clears throat> uh, the launch games of the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation Five. And with Xbox, it was like, "Wait, what is this game? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you know what this is? Do you remember this?" And it was just a lot of like confusion and uh, <coughs> lack of clarity. And so, I don't think they've done a good job of leveraging what they have and really getting out there and, and being like, "Yeah, this game's great." And as a big Yakuza fan, they have, you know, next gen exclusive of or timed exclusive, I should say, of Yakuza 7, mm-hmm. but I don't even really think they're they're utilizing that very well like i think yakuza no. 7 is going to be great and i think that they should be like really going into detail of why you should play this if you're getting play an this. xbox series x it's
1: a good entry point it seems like for newcomers to come in yeah kind of like how Zero was. seven from
0: the
2: title yeah
1: i don't think they see yakuza though as i keep forgetting the huge that they dropped game. The seven sorry yeah bro. exactly yeah they like we love yakuza but i don't think it's like the the huge game to get like random new people into your system i don't think it is either it
2: it shows me though moves like that man that move and buying bethesda Mm -hmm. like yeah microsoft is wisening up i feel like they're getting smarter
0: they're getting smarter for sure but it's gonna take time i just don't think they're like yeah brad yakuza is not halo right that's obvious but i think because they no longer have halo they should leverage what they have more effectively right. than what they're doing
1: they're not really like flexing anything it seems like right. besides game pass like game pass like great awesome but like it's like the only other game i'm excited for that's coming from them is like the medium i'm and that's not till december yeah um, so at launch it's like well shit. what are you gonna play man yeah you're gonna play a lot of multiplats.
0: Huber, you bringing up the Bethesda acquisition is uh, a really good point, and I do think it speaks to them making moves, right? And I don't know how those moves exactly are going to play out, but I think the next couple of years are going to be very, very, very interesting. Yeah, Yeah. you go, uh,
2: you know, give me Evil Within 3, Xbox Exclusive. So let's get Dude, that going. You, get, you
0: get Evil Within 3, you'll get like Xbox branded on your ass, right? Like, yep, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. T- I'll get
2: the tattoo, man. I'll get the man, Xbox
0: whatever, tattoo yeah. right here. Let's go. Ink me up. <laughs> Xbox. Uh, our next email comes in from Adam. Hey, y'all. Uh, I don't believe it would actually... Oh, Goatee eligibility is the subject of this. I don't believe it would actually be nominated for anything. Um, so this is really more of a thought experiment. Okay, All right. let's experiment. Let's experiment. Jeff Keighley recently suggested that Among Us might be nominated this year at his awards. Technically, the game has received some periodic general updates, but it came out years ago. Other industries have a hard cutoff for eligibility, of course, but release dates are becoming blurrier for games. Would you allow Among Us to appear in any category? Well, it's hard to argue against its importance in 2020, it simply didn't come out this year. And I vaguely remember you disqualifying Hollow Knight in 2018, on similar grounds, did did we? Maybe we did. I don't. Because it was
1: on PC, then it came to Switch later.
0: Um, But is Hades more acceptable simply because it's a changed version in 2020 to version 1.0? What about ongoing games entering new seasons? The only thing as certain is, is it's getting murkier every year. Well, so, Hades wasn't out; it was early
1: access. There's yeah. We usually we usually do it by it when it's official release, not necessarily early access. Yep. Official like when the launch. studio says their game is officially done and complete is when we judge it by that.
0: Yes. Launch. I, I, launch in the year, that's it. I agree Simple. that is generally the case. However, what I will say in this email, kind of addresses it in itself, is like, I'm sure you can find plenty of in- inconsistencies if you compare every single Easy Allies game of the year back to back to back. Because... Mm-hmm. Nothing is set in stone and the industry is constantly changing. And I think our own expectations and opinions are constantly changing. So to say like, it is for sure going to be this way for 2020 Goatee. I don't think we Mm. know that entirely yet.
1: No, not till we talk about it. Right. So not till blood. uh, As for Jeff, you know, it's his show. So I guess he can kind of make the rules how he wants.
0: Right. Um, But among us, I think specifically being nominated, I, I think if it's an interesting question, I think what it would most naturally fall under is like, you know, most impactful game of 2020 or, or, trending. or something, yeah, trending. something yeah. like that. Yeah. I definitely think there is a category for it, but goaties and categories can be vague and Tricky. frustrating and constantly yes. changing.
2: Yep. Yes. Prepare for inconsistencies. Prepare
1: for heartbreak, really.
2: Soundtrack. Yeah. Man. Someone's getting
1: their heart. Everyone's getting their, Everyone's heart, getting broken. their heart broken. dude. Every, every game. game that happens every goatie. Someone gets upset.
2: How's melody of memory? Not going to get best soundtrack. My,
0: boy that's a whole, Hades, that's a whole can of it
2: was a hundred games
0: yeah I think, I think rhythm games that are using music from other games makes it really yeah we'll see I don't know I'm not ready to have this conversation yet uh, our last email comes in from Brandon hold on a second Timestamps, what developers slash publishers had a good 8th gen? Hello, everyone. As is often the case when we reach the end of a generation and or decade, for the sake of both, a lot of conversation reminisces on what the best games were during that stretch of time, but not enough about the actual developers or publishers who provided said games. So I wanted to ask you, panel, what developers did their best work or burst onto the scene over the last generation you want to highlight? What publisher had the strongest showing mitigating negative stories while simultaneously putting out great games? Thank you for taking my question if you do and say easy fellow allies. Capcom wins easily. Oh boy, Capcom like came back to life, right? Like mm-hmm. Easy Venus, yeah, yeah. nice you nailed it out the gate. Like it's it's like, not like it's Capcom was yeah. unknown, but <laughs> the the quality level of what they're producing now is
1: Yeah, great. like feels like they're fighting themselves again mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, between
2: Resident Evil 2, 3, Monster Hunter World, Demon mm-hmm. Cry Five,
1: it's it's nuts yeah then i just think about from software every time and i'm like oh yeah bloodborne dark souls 3 Sekiro, i'm yeah. like goddamn, oh, those are good games I, but i think yeah. i agree I with think you Capcom had a more impressive comeback
0: yeah i think what's what's interesting about from software is i, I felt like they just continued that level of quality which yeah. is impressive exactly. and not exactly. meant to be diminished
1: but yeah they- <laughs> capcom was in a rough spot right and yeah and they come they came back big
0: um certainly not without controversy right but uh cd project red uh mm-hmm. i think is one to talk about where i think they went from not an unknown developer right like witcher certainly had a claim before witcher 3 but i think witcher 3 blew them up in a way that they sure. they, they were pushed into a, a a status that they were not before yep um definitely man still
2: though only like one or two one and a half games it'll be two games I Two, guess, i guess on yes on cyberpunk one.
0: just will squeak in there yeah. Huh? yeah okay well and you know we'll see how cyberpunk is received yeah. um let's see who else i've been happier with square i
1: guess than this this generation mm. than last generation i'm trying to think of like ps3 era xbox 360 square games and it's like 13 trilogy yeah like near near one but like this generation, they had like Nier Automata, right. Kingdom Hearts 3, Final Fantasy Seven Remake. Mm-hmm. They've mm-hmm. had like a Realm Reborn, honestly, is part of that, I would say, too. Totally yeah. Totally 14. Well, th-
0: that one's a little weird because it's like, I think of 14 as a PC game, but it also had a PS3 version. And so it's like... PS3, PS4 version. Yeah, I got it. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I would, say, I would say Naughty Dog,
2: like uncharted 4 and last of us part 2 sold like gangbusters <laughs> and were sales
1: wise
0: yeah, yeah but would you say they had a better you know ps4 generation than ps3 generation i wouldn't necessarily i say guess that. not
2: yeah ending with last of us one was probably bigger for
0: them um i would say team cherry with hollow knight you know can't yeah can't, what
1: other games did they make before that i don't know if they did like that's like a bright new star dude where is silks i don't i'm not I don't know about their old games if they even have any. But that's definitely the Yeah, I a think it's just Hollow Knight. Oh.
0: Yeah, I think it's just Hollow Knight and Silk Song. I could be wrong on that. Oh my god. How we not said Insomniac? Well, I was going to say Insomniac. That was actually what came to mind because I think, you know, Spider-Man especially did did so incredibly mm-hmm. well, but it's like I feel like Insomniac did really well during the PS3 generation too. True.
1: Yeah, there's like those Ratchet yeah. & Clank games. I I like resistance games. They're not the best, but I I had fun with them. I do
0: think though that, you know, Spider-Man is certainly something to note. And it's the same thing with like gorilla and sunset overdrive
2: was awesome, but it still kind of came out and went. Mm -hmm. It wasn't
1: like a massive game. Love that game, but no, it wasn't massive. Huge. Yeah.
2: Let's see. Are there any more that we can feels think like of? Sony Santa Monica only made one game. Yeah, <laughs> it was a oh, big one.
1: I was thinking about like Sucker Punch and they've made like <laughs> two kind of and it's been like the entire thing. Yeah, I would say Capcom, I would say has like the the best comeback feel sto- feel good story though. Dude, Like I feel confident in that developer much more than I did last generation, like much much more.
0: Think about how much they did like Devil Resident May Cry Two Three Seven yes. Devil May Cry, Monster Hunter World Mega Man Eleven. Yeah. Nuts.
1: Mm-hmm. Like bringing Resident Evil back from where it was <laughs> is super great. Like Devil May Cry being great rules like Monster Hunter
0: World, like their biggest game ever. Like Monster dude, Monster Hunter World is like one of the best games of the generation. I will fight people to mm-hmm. the death. Um Was that a twenty nineteen game? Eighteen World. Twenty eighteen. I think that was earlier. Yeah. Or was it eighteen? Dude, that's that's one then, of the games of
2: the decade. No yes. doubt. Huber? No doubt.
0: Yes, you're correct. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> um it's weird to say this, but I, I feel like uh in my mind, Dragon's Dogma two will almost seal the deal. Like it's it's like the cherry <laughs> on top in a weird way. That's yep.
1: the last I think Dude, that's I the that's street- the welcome to next gen for they them. They also
0: need they also need a kick ass <laughs> fighting game. They also need like a yeah, universally- to say, I think Street
1: Fighter 6 is their biggest test yeah. whenever that happens. Yeah, I
0: I agree. You're not
1: Like that's wrong. that's like something huge they have to nail. Like I'm confident in them with Delma or uh, Dragon's Dogma but all I street Fighter, hear, I'm still curious.
2: Brad, all the only word I want to hear about Dragon's Dogma 2 from them is ambition ambitious. Yeah. I want yeah. Dragon Army 2 to be like the biggest game ever. <laughs> <Just like laughs>
0: you want it to be like Monster Hunter World level of explosion in terms <laughs> yeah. of popularity. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. They should absolutely be brought up. Arc System Works really had an incredible generation. Oh, yeah. Uh, not only with yeah. Guilty Gear XR, definitely. but uh, all the projects they worked on in like Dragon Ball Fighters. Fighters, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they really definitely got, it seems
1: like, a lot bigger this generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm sure there's there's many
0: that <clears throat> we could bring up. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I think that is uh, that is going to do it for Frame Trap. This might be the first time that an Easy Allies podcast is lo- slightly longer than Frame Trap. We'll have to see. I don't dude. know what it. Whoa, holy it shit! Around, but I felt like oh, we covered. Oh, Blood up. Hosted, dude.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah, Blood Hosted. Dude, he probably went crazy and well, death. we did
0: uh, pop tarts and toaster strudels. Oh, so okay, that, that that's always a time. long one yep, for sure. Yep. But I feel like we covered a lot of ground. I uh-huh. had a good time. Me too. I uh, hope you had a good time, audience. If you would like to send in an email to Frame Trap, the email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Again, that is askeasyallies at gmail.com. The email is also in the description of the podcast or YouTube video. It should be there, hopefully. Um and yeah, if you want to find out more about us, go to patreon.com slash allies. We do rely on your direct support to keep this thing going, to keep producing podcasts and shows and reviews and all that good stuff. Um, and as always, thank you so much for watching. Until next time.